Find a spot around the fireplace, you goons. It's time for another tale of Casual Master Quest. Aloha, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Casual Master Quest. Welcome to the guild. The flames are hot, the fire is toasty, the marshmallows are ready. But we're kind of lonely over here. We really need some, you know, some going on. However, we do have a couple of good tailmasters over here. Ones that are going to spin us the most luxurious of descriptions. However, let's start off with the titles. The beautiful, beautiful Nick. How is it going, buddy? Going really, really good, actually. How are you doing, Tyler? Oh, I am maybe not... I would say about 50% the uh, spinning in my seat position right now as you are right now, but I am in a pretty good mood. I am, like, hyped. In fact, it's like I like to start saying fancy words, and all of a sudden, I have no idea where I'm going, so I'll just explode in exponents right there. I understand. I Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Cam, Cam, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. As you see now, of course, having having been in Casual Master Quest for a while, I can now reveal the fact that I am, of course, on the podcast, the premier Destiny uh, person, go-to contact. So just look forward to that. All the great Destiny 2 talk coming right to you directly from me. Don't worry about it. It's free Fan of charge. Fantastic. I'm actually kind of <laughs> scared because uh, I feel like it's going to be cursed as an episode because something is missing here. Uh, Cam, you are not wearing your Yasugami shirt. You're right, I'm not, and I figured somebody might draw attention to it. I just, I just didn't want to. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to today. Sure. It was kind of like uh, when the uh, the big N on Nintendo's sign kind of fell. Yeah, yeah. After the, uh, what was a a uh, a storm hit it, I believe, or was it part of the uh, the earthquake? It might have been part of the earthquake. I, although I don't know, because it might have come. I don't know when I saw that news story or sometime last week. I don't know if it was before or after, but it would make sense if it was after. It would make sense. So some kind of national, uh, or national, I guess national technically. Well, I mean, natural a national disaster, so. Natural uh, disaster had hit, you know, Japan over this uh, past week, and the giant end to Nintendo's headquarters had fallen off, which, uh, you know, kind of gave me some bad juju, like, ooh, hmm. Maybe they felt that too, and that's why they delayed the direct. Like, this is a sign. We got to be careful what we do here. But, you know, what do I know? So, this is Casual Master Quest number 18, which uh, I put simply instead of all the witty phrases. It's now a Destiny 2 podcast. Congratulations. Welcome, Welcome uh, to the dark side. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, it's, it's weird because it, it's kind of like bathing in honey, but this honey is delicious and whatnot. It's like. I understand it's a good experience and all that, but I'm still, you know, I'm knee deep in honey. It's like, what am I doing here? We, I feel uncomfortable with the fact don't that I've been with Just playing. Accept it. Don't quit. Don't fight it. The harder, <laughs> the, the more you fight it, the, the more you know it pulls you in. Oh, I don't wanna. I, I, I it's I, like, like it's like quicksand, except you can't get out. I'm past the stage where, like, being a hipster, saying, "Ah, Destiny, cool." You know, I, I can't say I played it before. It was cool. Because uh, that part still hasn't came yet. I'm waiting for there Destiny was, to be cool. But... There was no before it was cool for Destiny as a franchise. No. Not right. at all. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not for Destiny 2 specifically. I was and, just going to say at all, because even back when Destiny 1 was launching, it was already the most hyped out game of that time period. So Absolutely. And yeah. so I can't even say hipster like, oh, I'm playing it ironically. Because no, it's actually um, a fun experience. But we'll talk about Destiny 2 fairly soon. Right now, we're going to go into the most fantastic moment, the Pokemon Go Watch proverbial minute. We're going to be talking about Pokemon Go. Uh, it might be a little bit late in the news, but I could be proven wrong any given moment. Let's find out. I'm going to point over at Nick. Nick, 
how's your Pokemon Go been going this week? Um, well, classes have started up again, which means that I'm keeping up my streaks now. Oh. So, get to campus, spin the Pokestop, catch Pokemon, get a gift, send out a gift, done. Um, I picked up my roommate today. He's finally back after two and a half months. And we stopped uh, on the way home to get food. And uh, as, I was, as we were walking back to, our, uh, to my car, I uh, saw a big gathering of people, about 20, 22 people. And I'm wondering Ooh. why. Uh, my roommate hadn't paid his phone bill, so he couldn't really open up Pokemon Go. So I turned on my... Um, my hotspot. hotspot. Nice. Yeah, I turned on my hotspot, gave him access to Pokemon Go for like five minutes. We open it up and we see, oh, it's a Moltres event. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and we go like, oh, okay. Uh, but these guys were like, I'm assuming they, uh, like groups that you're familiar with, Tyler, they uh, Discord or Facebook or some other social media formed a group and they just mob around from uh, Pokestop to Pokestop or gyms to gyms and catching, uh, you know, whatever the events are. It's funny um, you should say it uh, as mobbing around because, quite frankly, I've been hearing a lot of complaints. Now, mind you, you're right. I do have a Discord group that are full of just like just wild, feverish, wanting to play Pokemon Go every given minute. But then I've been having a different group of people on the local Neighborhood Watch Facebook page complaining that large groups of people keep blockading these stores for about five to ten minutes at a time, <laughs> the purchase product, and then you now after loitering. And you know, blocking interest in one would just randomly take off before the cops could show up. And <laughs> we we all know who it is. Yeah, you know, it's yep, like yep. We're, we're not doing demonstrations like Moltres. You know, lives matter too. But it, it, it's just it's ironic and funny in my end because it's like I see them doing like we're gonna go. You know, let's do these raids right here, right here, right here. And then you know, a couple hours later, I see on the Facebook. Uh, Hey, uh, these people are causing a lot of problems and, you know, making public disturbances. And it's like, <laughs> but yes, as you said, uh, oh, you I was going to yeah. say, actually, so funny enough, I think that like probably when, when Pokemon Go came out, right? Circa 2016, I want to say like sometime in later 2016 was probably the first time that parks in the U.S. actually had to enforce their we're closing thing. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I've talked about the story now and you know now and then, but uh, you're absolutely right. We have one park that is in downtown Bay City that uh, you know people would play up until three, four in the morning, and just you know the place is well lit. There's no actual crime going on as far as I was aware, anyways, and everybody was just peacefully running around rummaging and looking for rare Pokemon. Police would be coming down, going, "What the heck?" And you know people would come <laughs> up to them like, "Hey, uh, we're playing Pokemon Go," and you know they'd be boggled night two that come back and like hey do you guys catch anything <laughs> like, <Yeah>. the police <laughs> were super chill yep, but then I actually got pulled ooh, I got, i've gotten pulled over by police not pulled over as in in a car but when i've just gone out walking playing like heavy in 2016 i want to say i've been pulled over maybe eight times for playing pokemon go just in the middle of the night because i like going out late 1 a.m or something like that and i'm in a sketchy spot admittedly like you know hitting swinging stops around like a playground or something like that i want to pains and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And rhythm so I get I, the cops will come up all the time, and I just generally turn the phone. And they know at this point, and I'm like, "Yeah, Pokemon." And they're like, "This late?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't have much other time." And they're like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> so they did implement a rule like about two weeks in. Well, rather, the park closes after dark, but people, you know, they're like, "I ah, let the kids have fun." But after you know, like a month later, it's like, "Oh crap! These these sons of guns are not going anywhere. They're going to keep flagging <laughs> the you know the local downtown. We you know we got to have some control here." And, Obviously, they you know did that, and eventually we all scattered and started playing at more normal times, or we quit. One of the two. Mind you, that was uh, I feel like that was a missed business opportunity for vendors, mm -hmm. 
Right. It was yeah. weird because obviously a lot of phone companies jumped in on it, saying, yep. you know, made deals with uh, Niantic saying, hey, you know, uh, make us a Pokestop and we'll, you know, we'll offer you some sweet deals. And they'll start posting like, hey, we're a Pokestop. Right. And uh, yeah. McDonald's did a similar thing too, uh, mostly in Japan, but they did a few times in uh, America as well. However, uh, I noticed that a lot of times, and I, you know, I mentioned this earlier, businesses will have Pokestops or gyms in front of their stores. And they'll post them like, hey, come on in. We'll got pops. Show us that you caught your raid thing and we'll give you a uh, free candy or something like that. They won't come in. They, it's like they're, they're too busy. Like <laughs> the next raid is ready. And so, you, you know, you say you wish they partnered up with them. It's like, well, sure. in the sense, like if uh, so, two things to say on that. Uh, when I say like a missed business opportunity, I mean, like, imagine if uh, a park is getting more attention uh, later than usual. Yeah, it's, it's a good sign for like oh, a hot dog vendor or this kind of right, like just right. pick oh, up truck, oh, not pick up trucks. Oh, that'd be smart. Um, yeah. What do you call it? Uh, food trucks. Yeah, just 100%. set up shop. Yep. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Um, and then Which on the advertising side, I was really surprised when I went to New York City this uh, summer um, that I saw a Verizon Pokemon stop and a uh, Starbucks Pokemon stop. And it's not something I've ever seen here in Vancouver. Like oh, we don't okay. have like advertised Pokemon stops. Yeah. So it took me a while. Like like that's strange. All like, stops. One stop, and then I see like a couple of more down the block, and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, it's a okay. Now I know what's going on. Yeah, I think all Starbucks are Pokestops, and I think all Sprint stores are Pokestops as well in the pretty, U.S. Yeah, pretty much yeah. most of them, if not all. Oh no, they weren't even stores. They were like, um, uh, try the new Pokemon Go Starbucks drink or whatever. So they were actual oh, yeah, advertisements yeah. on the Pokestop. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yep, I've seen that too because they did have a special drink. But in our area, actually, we did have a few cafes that kind of went with the whole team mechanic. They played it up a little bit and they were like, oh, if you're on Team Valor, you can come in and get this deal. But if you're on yeah, Instinct, you business. get this deal. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I, I can imagine the team spirit. The closest thing I can think of is uh, after the events, the community events. So once a month, we have a uh, local state theater. They call it the State Theater. Uh, it's run down, seen better days. Uh, occasionally gets a couple of bucks from uh, plays and whatnot, and the local viewing of stuff uh, had a small resurgence because they made a deal with the uh, the Facebook slash Discord group of the Pokemon people to start advertising. Let's say uh, the event would be from 2 to 5 p.m. At 5.30, 6 p.m., they would uh, get uh, rights to play a Pokemon movie. Oh, cool. So everybody, after, you know, the hundreds of people out there, after they're done catching their Pokemon and, you know, making sure they're all released and whatnot involved, they would go over to the State Theater, buy tickets, and go watch, you know, Pokemon 2000 together. That's a super neat idea. That's and awesome. Was, yeah. I thought it was awesome that they were able to do that. And they also did, you know, part of the, you know, funds go to uh, getting food to needy people. So it was, you know, super good all around. And I thought it was an awesome idea. And quite frankly, I don't know. I've never gone to them. But usually what would happen is I would go home instead and watch the movie by myself. <laughs> because, uh, quite frankly, being in a small contained room with a bunch of people that have been walking around for three hours straight and didn't yeah. have a chance to shower and whatnot, kind of frightening on my end. But mm -hmm. you know, it's the community of the kind. That's not that's not bo you're smelling. That's community spirit. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Much difference like team spirit. Yeah. yeah, team spirit. I'm actually more uh, for team valor, but team spirit's okay too. Team, hey, uh, what's the what's the yellow one? Team instinct. Uh, instinct and mystic. Uh, yeah. Mystic. Is that a new one? No, that's the uh, that's. Uh... Oh, you're bad. It's I'm mad at this. I'm mad at this. Okay, yeah. The biggest okay. in my area. Actually, I'm curious because I'm Team Valor. I've never checked to see what you guys, uh, what teams you guys are on. What are you guys playing? Valor. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so we got two Team Instincts and one Valor. 
uh, oh, sorry, two valor and one instinct. Let me try we that can again. Make fun of Mystic, all we want. Yeah, all no, pretty much. Like red, red is usually my favorite color. Red is my favorite color and would have been my go-to, but um, I don't know. Design-wise, there was just something that appealed to me. I, I like Zapdos better. <laughs> really, I, so I saw Zapdos and I picked up and I picked Team Instinct. I mean, when it came to Pokemon Red and Blue, to me personally, when it came to the three legendary birds. I really liked Zapdos a lot, and I had a good appreciation for Articuno, but Moltres was that one bird Pokemon where in my head it's like, Moltres can't be super effective against Zapdos or Articuno at the time. Yep. Like, later on, obviously, fire would be ice, but until then, you know, Zapdos could shock it, Articuno could freeze it, they would do double damage because ice would be fire and flying back in the Gen 1 days. And so Moltres never really held a spot in my heart at all. And plus, honestly, it looked like a yellow canary that was constantly on fire. Yep, and pretty the much. Only, the only other appreciation I had for it was in the anime when it was like the retrospect, like, we're going to light the Pokemon Olympics. Moltres is our, you know, national bird for this one. The flame isn't of Moltres. Isn't it ko uh, I yeah. mean, for the Pokemon they, Olympics. Not, not in Gen 1. one. Not in Gen 1. In Gen 1, yeah, uh, Moltres was the Olympic flame bearer, the league flame bearer. Or at least for the conferences in the anime, it was all right that they used the flame. Uh, that it... might have been later on because it, oh, it was okay. originally Moltres flame. It was okay. absolutely originally the Moltres flame. Like the only okay. time we saw Hoa was episode one. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you ah, you might have saw a mythical Pokemon that won't be mentioned for at least two more years. I haven't been discovered yet. That. Yeah, the best part about that scene, too, is while he's talking on the phone with Professor Oak about it, he sees a panel of four legendary Pokemon, and it's Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres, and Arcanine. Yeah, Arcanine is, even lore-wise, I think, was still yeah. was considered legendary. Was well, because I, of its I speed. think in Pokedex, it's called the legendary yeah, Pokemon. He was never a legendary, but his actual entry, I believe, is the legendary yeah, Pokemon. Uh, it's really it's weird. Like, it's so like, cool. It's like something they dropped, because they didn't do anything special with it either in the show, if I remember correctly. He was just a Pokemon, so... No, I mean, they threw him in the opening scene of Arcanine running, but I don't remember any actual Arcanine appearances. It's usually, it was just Growlithe, yeah. like, I, like with uh, Jenny. Yeah, Arcanine did show up a couple times, but it wasn't anything like legendary about it. What if, what if, it, like, on those tablets, Arcanine was confused, uh, or Entei was confused for Arcanine? Yeah, yeah, that would have been, yep. I mean, that, that's my closest that. speculation. Yeah, that is your speculation. <laughs> so, random question, and this isn't going to be focused towards Cam. Uh, Cam, do you remember the episode that uh, focuses on where Ash and the team meets Bill for the first time in his Something lighthouse? Like yes, yes, with the Dragonite. Yeah, yes. Uh, he got stuck in the uh, Kabuto uh, suit and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, uh, at the end of the thing, he was searching for this legendary Dragonite that apparently was approximately a mile and a half tall. Did we figure out if that was really a Dragonite? <laughs> or was this just uh was this kind of like the uh metal gear solid uh can't explain psycho Manus thing because you know nano machines didn't quite work there but yeah. it might have no, been magic it was like all right so you know early pokemon does has, have this thing where it plays up stuff that they didn't that they go on to explain later on as normal so like we see dragonite in the orange leagues and we see it i think a little bit later no I don't know if we see it again in Indigo, but we see it in the Orange Leagues, and it's a regular-sized Pokemon. Like it's I mean, we big, also see Dragonite in uh, the first Pokemon movie as yep. a messenger. As the messenger. I but think no, uh, in the Orange League Dragonite also, uh, the, there was an oddity about it. I think its wings were bigger. In the Orange League? Yeah, what? because it was Drake's was. Dragonite, right? Yeah. yeah, I think its wings were bigger because uh, Dragonite's wings, compared to its body, are really tiny. It shouldn't yep. work. But I think Drake's Dragonite's had, had bigger wings. 
It was something I don't remember if it was he had something special, but I just remember he had a Dragonite in that fight. But yeah, and I it guess was in the original. By a Pikachu. Yep. What a what a weak what a weak Dragonite. That's poor training no, what on Drake's part. What a good Pikachu. No, good, good no, props to Pikachu. <laughs> I was going to say, down, don't bring but... the Dragonite down. Praise the Pikachu. Come on. No, praise the Pikachu, but you have to bring the Dragonite down. That's poor planning on Drake's part. I mean, okay, uh, Drake's Dragonite not. was level 50, level 55 or something like that. And the the first time we encounter like a level of Pikachu would, would be fighting Red in uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Pikachu is like level 81. I should note, I mean, of course, Pikachu does grow, but if you look at the end of any series, so Pikachu has some disgusting wins to itself, like in the actual anime, Pikachu has done some actual work, some ridiculous work beyond what a Pikachu should be able to do. Uh, just an example being in at the end of Gen 6, in the anime, Pikachu fought, he took down a Metagross, a Tyranitar, in the same fight, a Metagross and a Tyranitar in the league battle, and then made a Mega Charizard bend the knee Ooh. before eventually Ooh. losing to it. So Pikachu did you said Gen, Gen 6? 6? Gen 6. Pikachu so means absolute no work. So, yeah, no, no, wait. Did, I think he still had Iron Tail then. Not Iron, Iron Tail, Tail was in uh, Ruby Bolt, Sapphire. Yeah, Bolt Tackle. He, no, he had Bolt Electro Ball. That, yeah. that is the dumbest thing they've ever done, but Electro Ball. That's okay. They got rid of um, Electro Ball. Bolt Tackle. They what gave him Bolt Electro Tackle? Web instead. Oh, even better. Right, right. No, it's kind of dumb. It's kind of Smart dumb. move. Uh, who needs, uh, was it Gabantula, I think it was? That right, really, right. You yeah. think it had uh, that uh, as a signature move? Cam, okay, how have you been doing on Pokemon Go? Yeah, yeah tell us about Pokemon Go, Cam. I, uh, I, caught, I caught a real big Tauros. That's that's what happened to me. That's Ooh, what I did. You got a big nice. old bowl. Good job. Uh, a real big Tauros. I, I saw him today. He was just hanging out on the side of the road near some woods, and it was like full, you know, strong it might be even 80 it might be like 80 iv but it was fully powered up so it was like 2186 or something like that nice. so i was like cool i'll take it don't you like that it's like uh you, you don't know if it has a good iv or not when you first look at it but it's like hey it's maxed out at 22 23 i could toss you in the gym and forget yeah. about you for a while exactly exactly and uh over on my end i'm gonna be real i tried psyching myself into playing on like monday tuesday and i uh, started getting my trades in and all that stuff and then I immediately stopped because something happened on Tuesday that probably changed a lot of our lives for quite a while there. So, um, Tyler, I'm not I'm not entirely sure uh, about this event that you're referring to. Do you want? Yeah, I mean, Nick's just sure. Nick's just if, learning. So, if there's anything else that we want to talk about with Pokemon Go or any Pokemon related material, I mean, let's lay it down here and we're going to put it for peace or put it to peace for a week. Uh yeah, I'm all good in Pokemon Go. So, okay. For those who uh, you know have been entranced with this very, very, very long minute Pokemon Go uh, proverbial minute there for you people. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be talking more about it next week. Hopefully we'll play a little bit more and we'll give you the deepest of Pokemon anime lore and games and whatnot. I mean, hey, we, we taught you a little bit about Arcanine, the, the weird oddities of Dragonite and the ridiculous OP-ness of Ash's Pikachu. Do you guys want to hear all of Ash's win rates throughout the entire series for each generation statistically? I can do that too. Haha. <laughs> I, I could give you another 10 seconds if you just want to know. Okay, thank you. No. Jeez. Oh, but mercy. I do know that. <laughs> okay, no, the last thing I will say is Ash is disgustingly inconsistent. Carry yes, on. he is. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. He uh, he is, like, pretty much, like, the sore of Kingdom Hearts. Every world he goes to, he kind of, like, acclimates to it with the weird animation change. Like, uh, it freaked me out when Ash had colored pupils at us, you know, mm -hmm. with uh, the new yeah, one. I'm pretty sure that was Ash, um, black and white. Black and white. He had different colored uh, pupils. Ash not winning the Kalos League is the biggest travesty of all time, end quote. There we okay. go. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, just a completely random side note, uh, the character Krillin from Dragon Ball, oh. Dragon Ball Z, yeah. uh, 
a lot of people noted that uh in the original design krillin had uh white for you know the white of his eyes drawn in but after like episode eight or nine uh it disappeared so the back of his eyes behind his people was the color skin hmm. and so i was curious uh, are you pro or uh against having you know white pupils for krillin's eyes I just think whatever the later one is, okay. I barely remember. <laughs> All right. All right. I won't bring in Dragon Ball. Where are we getting nerdy with uh, Pokemon? So, guys, let's talk about what we've been playing. Cam, what have you been playing, buddy? Well, I have a actually full review uh, for us today. I have a very wonderful full review to go through. Oh. I picked up a new video game console, guys, and it's very exciting. And wow. this, is, this is partially a visual product, but you can see here I have this the highest class of Chinese consoles coming directly from manufacturers in China. I have right here this, <laughs> which is called the Children's Puzzle Game 2.0 uh, Children Video Game Console 256 in one. Anyway, it's dumb. I bought this for $8 on AliExpress. Okay, so for um, audio listeners, Cam is holding up a really thick, like an OG PSP. <laughs> it's red in color. Everything is red except yep. for the screen. There's yep. a white border on the screen, and it's yep. a small, tiny Game Boy Advance screen. Maybe <laughs> a tiny bit bigger. Cam, is there a backlight on this product? Yeah, no, actually, the screen's pretty solid. Uh, it runs such classics as Mario, which is very impressive, of course. Oh, also, such classics, man, Nintendo, you know, this one, that's 8-bit. 8-bit Famicom classics such as Angry Birds, uh, Nuts and Milk, also America Warrior. Ah, I too like Nuts and Milk. Here, let's let's actually fire it up, and you guys can you guys can see all the the wonderful. We'll put the it, it, wow. Hold on, let me put that up to the camera. It looks like a Isn't micro that, PSP design, oh, wow. like reminiscent of the micro Game Boy, except instead of shrinking the whole amazing? console, they just did the screen. It's it's so it's so amazing that it's actually just plastic garbage. So this is funny. This, I really just had to bring this on because I bought this for eight dollars on AliExpress, which I definitely recommend people go check out for funny video game stuff because they have a bunch of knockoffs. They're super cheap. Shipping's like free and it takes like twenty days to get here, but uh, it's ridiculous. This thing actually works, which blew me away. It is one of those two hundred fifty-six games in one things where if you ever had those uh, as a kid, like it's like actually thirty games. And then like 30 different manipulations of each game with just a different name. They're so just they're completely much, garbage yeah, yeah. in any case, usually. But I found uh, Donkey Kong's on here, Mario's on here, Contra's on here. There's a lot of shoot 'em ups that are on here oh, as well from Atari and NES. So it's actually like it, for eight bucks, it's pretty good. Yeah, eight dollars to yeah. get all those licenses? Man, that China, company did China's great. <laughs> I mean, you say that as if, yep. Mm-hmm. Her, no, her, her, this, her. Is, this is China we're talking about. This is and copyright laws in China are not as stringent, which means this is completely bootleg, hundred percent. I can guarantee you that. I say stringent as in uh, harder to sue, but yeah. yes, I, I guess yeah, that's one way of doing it. Holy yeah. well, no, uh, no protection whatsoever. Let, let's hear your rating on it. Uh, what do you? What are your opening thoughts for this? I know you mentioned a couple of things here, but you know, it's funny. So one opening thought is the screen itself. When you think about a video game console, right, we think about screens a lot, but I think what's very important is that stupid stuff that protects the screen from damage. We just get rid of that. That's dumb. Yeah, here, we just have the up. screen. We just have the screen directly. So if you touch it, if you scratch it, if you poke it, there's the screen right there. The upside being you get a much clearer picture <laughs> because the screen's directly here instead of behind a protective uh, lens. And, and how uh, thick, uh, what do you say the screen is? Or not the thickness, uh, how wide? Like how wide Ooh. three inches three and a half inches yeah maybe? yeah maybe two two and a half inches something like that okay, it's so. definitely it's definitely ready to break at any point 
and will probably explode and catch on fire. But until that point, I'm going to burn my eyes with searing LCD 8-bit graphics. And I mean, that is where I'm at. Uh, Galaxy 7 Note uh, batteries that they uh, had to get rid of all of them. <laughs> they they put into this instead. Could be. Uh, let's see. What's your favorite game that you've played on so far? Okay, so actually they have a game on here called Stargate, and it's not actually Stargate, but Aww. it's it's just a shoot 'em up and it's a multi-directional shoot 'em up, and I've been actually enjoying that. But I bought this totally as a joke, and yes, it's shaped like a mini PSP, and uh, it's just it's a fun time. It's a fun time. So, you can get so tons of clone consoles off AliExpress, so go check it out. So in terms of um the the price uh worth analysis, oh uh, yeah, what's what's your we're at like two hundred percent, three hundred percent, maybe price okay. worth analysis. Okay. Dude, this is eight dollars. This is a this is a hefty $8 meal. Eight dollars free shipping. Yep. all the way from um, all the way from China. Yeah, all the way from China. China. Let's say, don't say anything like uh, you know Taiwan or anything like that. They hate that. Don't no, you know, no. recognize Taiwan as a separate country. Ooh. Yeah. But you know, it's it's you know it's on the high end. You could say it's a very expensive Taco Bell meal, or it's a very cheap meal at a sit down restaurant for a wonderful video game experience. I would crap my pants if I got that as a prize from McDonald's or something like what that. Are we, what are we doing with the Nick Switch initiative? It should be the Nick, whatever that is, initiative. Uh, 2.0 video game, children's puzzle console, handheld, 256 in one. Yeah, that's the name. I mean, if that was the, the Nick, that name is initiative, and that was only $8, I would... I'd buy you three of them. I'd I'd throw an extra. <laughs> oh, like, three! Wow. I know twenty four dollars. What questions? There. What questions could we ask you about this this system itself? It has so many games. Like wonderful, say, wonderful. <laughs> you, oh you gosh, yeah. Me, okay. You can ask me what what it's called, and I'd yeah. fail it right then and we there. We got Bomberman. We got Galaga. We got we got Puyan. We got Icky. Puyan. We got Nuts Milk. We got Garden War. Everyone's excited for that music moment. We got we got. Fruit. I do enjoy my music moment. Fruit gift. Devil World. That's that's a good one. Ooh, right I heard there. that one. Uh, a lot of oh, my favorite. Uh, double Shigami Tensei. <laughs> we got two two good ones right here. Grot Kid, also <laughs> Super Sorry, Arabian. Grot Kid, Super Arabian. That's that's a good one too. Super, Super Arabian. Arabian. That's, yep, yep, that's, yep. That's, that's the name familiar. of uh, yeah, my new dubstep. Oh, band. Santa Claus. There's a game just called Santa Claus. Santa, Santa Claus. Sword, Warp Man. Yeah, no, see, plenty of see, stuff What here. people don't know is actually that that game called Santa Claus actually allows you to communicate with Santa Claus directly and see what his yearly progress is. It's true. Also, the most important ga game on here, number 93, is just named Violent. Oh, Violent. Yes, everybody oh, knows. that's my favorite yeah, game. Yeah, that one didn't yeah. make it over to Australia. They yeah, had to in, get um, that imported directly. An early yeah. version of Hatred, if you guys are familiar with that. <laughs> but anyway, mm -hmm. I thought it was more related to the uh, the popular side story, Rage, but I guess, yeah, you know, that would make could sense. Be. Too, yeah. Could be, could be. Yeah, besides that, I played a lot of Destiny 2, and I, I, made, I made a mistake that wasn't a mistake because I bought all the DLC plus Forsaken, and I'm done with it. Not done in the sense I'm finished playing, but I finished all the story content. The campaign, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. at soft cap already, so okay, okay, yeah. Well, uh, I'm <laughs> sure we'll expand on Destiny two in yeah, a little sure bit. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, we'll hold off then. Is there yeah. any other games I've even playing, Cam? Uh, just old school original RuneScape. Uh, nothing, not original as in classic, but just old school RuneScape on mobile, tablet, and computer. Just that usual grind, pretty much. Right, right, yeah. Yep. Cool. That's cool. all. Uh, Nick. Hi. Nick, Hi. Uh, so. Since we're gonna save uh, the big, wonderful dessert that is uh, a certain game of uh, Bungie's, uh, right. what other games have you been playing? I almost played Battlefield Five. Oh, oh I need to oh. do that. Did Thank you like, turn it on and look at it, or? Uh, yes, and then um, another game came up in the way, and so I went off to, you know, I went I went back to my main game, and you know, didn't play my side game. 
you, you don't have to call them in game. We don't. We, we know the game that you just <laughs> bought and installed on Tuesday. It's okay. Um, yeah, no, I almost played Battlefield Five. Uh, the beta is open till the 11th of September, I believe. Yeah. Um, it closes at. It's an open beta for everybody. I think on consoles and PC. Closes at like somebody gave me a ridiculously early time, 7 a.m. PST Pacific time, okay. something like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I'll probably get around to that sometime this weekend. It has been a busy week with uh, classes starting, and I volunteered at a, a, a gaming conference, which we're going to talk about also in a bit. But uh, yeah, no, I haven't had much time to put on into Destiny 2 for the new DLC that released oh. on September 4th at 10 a.m. PSC yeah. worldwide. <laughs> yeah. So Battlefield 5, I, I might have mentioned this previously in a different episode. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, issues because people are worried that... Uh, some kind of tracking study showed that Battlefield 5 had the lowest amount of pre-orders to date. It's going to bomb. <laughs> but then, uh, I, uh, Battlefield, that would be... Uh, I always get it mixed up. Is it EA or Activision? That's uh, EA. Battlefield is EA. Okay, thank you. Thank goodness. EA has uh, pointed out, it's like, hey, we actually got more pre-orders than Titanfall 2, so we're all right. It's like, <laughs> that. that's... Okay, that's sure. Not that's not a good metric. That's that's concerning, but sure. I mean, if you're that's gonna not on... because Titanfall two, the marketing or at least release date was horrible for it. Titanfall yep. two is a fan. It's a beautiful game. Yep. And yep. EA, no, not it, was it EA at that time? Were yes, they it was. Publishers? And it was there was the theory, the conspiracy theory that EA actually targeted that release to make it so they could buy out the studio, which they yep. ended up doing. Yep. And so yep. Titanfall three is either never going to happen or it's going to be horrible. But I will say this, that might be coming back to bite them because if they did end up doing that, if they did actually put the release date where it was as the publishers to make it so that they would put the stock down and then buy out the company behind it, they're actually about to experience the same thing with Battlefield Five, where there's too many games that they're in between and they're the losers yep. this time. So yep. actually take what's coming to you. Actually yep. take it. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh boy. Um, over my end, since we're going to, you know, like I said, we're going to have our own different minute of yep, sorts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth uh, front, I have not touched the new expansion as per the tradition. Uh, in terms of the reputation, out of the 21,000 that I need, I'm currently at 12,500. So making about, I've been able to make up to about 1,500 reputation a day plus a bonus 2,000 a week. Uh, I would say about one more week. One more week and I should be able to get there just fine. So next week, hopefully, I can finally talk about my beloved Void Elf, which I don't have a name for yet. But she is going to be an awesome mage. I, I tell myself that every single day. And uh, nice thing is they have something called the Dark Moon Fair. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about that before. It it's like a weird uh, once every couple of months uh, traveling circus in the World of Warcraft world. Where if you go there, there's a bunch of games. If you play them, you get tickets. You can cash them in from uh, cool heirloom gear and whatnot so if you want to look cool from the past without actually trying to grind for the raids and all that from you know level 60 and whatnot you can do that uh for me in particular the biggest thing is uh if you spin around an america round uh you get 10 percent bonus reputation and experience for an mm. hour so nice. i'll go in there spin in the circle say yay i'm having fun and then immediately jump headfirst into the world quest that i uh i i'm starting to hate I'm really starting to hate because there's uh, there's the burnout period where you hit when it does something like this, but then it's that second wind of hatred that you kind of give, like self-loathing as you continue to do the work past the burnout, and I'm hitting that point. But uh, hopefully next week I'll be free of that. That nightmare will be over, and I'll be uh, exalted with Argusian Reach and the Army of the Light. So there there's that. Persona 4, I've actually had quite a bit of time to play with because uh, not only did I pick up a lot of deliveries where I'd have to sit there for a half hour to an hour and a half, 
actually had a tire blow on me. And uh, when it comes to a truck tire blowing out on you, it's not like, oh, no, I'll have somebody come with a, you know, a regular car tire, prop it up with the jack, and away we go. It's like, no. There's not too many uh, truck tire distributors that'll send a mechanic out, you know, to you. And so the place I was at, the nearest place that would take me that we had to count with was about an hour away. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Exactly. It's like, meanwhile, I got the PlayStation Vita just sitting there charging off of my radio. And so I played quite a bit of that. I'm reaching the, uh, I'm a, I think, I think I'm floor four of uh, what is called Heaven. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, I believe her name is Nanako. Yep. Nanako's dungeon, essentially. And I'm kind of upset because I hit Max with her father, mm -hmm. but I hit level nine with her. And I was told if I got Max with her, there could be like a change of dialogue because you have such a close relation. So instead of being her bestest big or, you know, super big brother that, you know, maybe turn her into a brocon or something like that, I'm just the cool <laughs> best brother. Yeah. So, um, oh, man. I just I just want to interject on one one point there, Tyler. Yes. Um, you mentioned you mentioned something called the PS Vita. Yeah, I've, yes, he did. I've never never actually heard of that. Wow, Don't... no, it's it's. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh boy, I no, can okay. see it from here. I don't want to get up and reach for it either. Pre-orders. <laughs> it lives, got, man. It lives. I got two games pre-ordered, Nick. Don't throw that at me right now. No, yeah, no, like pre-ordered no, for the I'm, beat. I'm sure I've said this. I do. Wait, I'm wait. Are they like on this, indefinite release right now or something? Yeah, no, they're coming out. Eventually, pre-order for Vita. Yeah, yeah. no pre-order for Vita I'm, for Vita games. Is it is it a Western release game no. or is it a jet? Okay, it's gonna be an import. That's what I wanted to be sure about. I mean, no, hold on. It is releasing in the West, but it's not a Western game. Okay. okay. They are, both pre-orders are for Western releases, though. Oh, are, Japanese Could games. they be considered visual novels? We're about uh, to play 20 questions here. Uh, <laughs> guess the games. Yes, yes to both. Okay. I mean, hey, I have nothing against that. You know me. I love yep, my visual yep. novels. It's just, it's been a while. And yep. those things, it's not that they take effort. They just take a lot of time. Yep, for yeah. those wondering, those two are Punchline and also uh, Bartending. Okay, Cyberpunk Bartending, what is it called? 20-something uh, Cyberpunk Bartending Action or whatever. Or Valhalla, Valhalla. Um, VA11 Hollow 3 or something like that. Um, so actually, three that awesome one, sounding words not strung Japanese, together. Not Japanese, not Japanese. I was mistaken. Valhalla is actually, I want to say, Nicaraguan? No, Venezuelan. They're a Venezuelan company that made Valhalla. Okay, fair, fair, fair enough. So, Persona 4, I've gotten a little bit further into it. I think I'm at the 34-hour mark. Uh, I'm still trying to woo Nyoto, but uh, it's proving very difficult. However, I finally got to see her without her hat. And I'm also appreciating that uh, now that she's giving up the fact that she's, you know, you know, pretending she's a super manly man guy like Kanji, uh, she's now, you know, used her actual voice acting, and now she sounds, you know, like a lady. And I know that can be, it can come off wrong in so many different ways, depending on how people view that. But I thought it was awesome. It's like, wow, they did a cool dynamic change of the character, showing, you know, her personal struggles and how she tried to portray herself. And I really like that. And I hope I can build a cool relationship before the world ends or whatever the hell happens after the end of this dungeon. Because Persona I know after that. Four is all about happy self actualization. It's wonderful, it's yeah, a good, happy time. It's something. It's something. Uh, quite frankly, I like this is the first time after that cutscene that showed uh, 
uh, Nanako's father chasing the would-be perpetrator down, that actually brought me emotion for the mm. first time in this entire game since the very beginning. Like After I got Max Link with Chie, I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. I just want to get this game over with. And that obviously was like the 10-hour mark. So 24 hours in, it's like, I finally feel something. My baby sister's in trouble. And trouble. <laughs> hey, big brother. No. Mommy? No. <laughs> so I get to do that. Hopefully I get to wrap that up uh, next week uh, to get into you know the true ending, whatever the heck you want to call it. The last game that I played besides a certain other game by Bungie that got released on, on Tuesday uh, by... September 4th. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say, if you want to give the times and all that, you're more than welcome to. Tyler, Tyler, one thing. One thing I forgot to tell you, though, in regards to Persona 4, if you are going for the true ending, make sure that you talk to Marie enough. Make sure you're friends with Marie. I am Max Link and uh, in a forbidden relationship with Maria. All right, perfect. You're you're all set then. Okay, good. Uh, I was like, uh, she was one of the first uh, people I saw. And of course, every single time I uh, want to talk to somebody, it's like, oh, I'm going to woo them and make them, you know, max social link. But then they don't really tell me anything about them. In this case, obviously, she's like, oh, I have amnesia. I was like, oh, Wikipedia. And of course, you know, I jumped down the wrong road. And so I I also completely forgot most about the stuff. But I know mm-hmm. that she's a very prominent character that she'll make, you know, <laughs> an appearance later on, I believe. Only in Golden. Good? She's uh, she's Atlas's lightning. They shoehorn her in wherever they can. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, cool. I mean, it was just Maria's an interesting character, and I hope to get to understand her a little bit more. But yeah, she was definitely one of the people I was told her and Nanako specifically for the stake of uh, dungeon plots. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, I got that one at least uh, covered. So we got that. Finally, lastly, the uh, game I've been streaming this week, uh, Skyward Sword. I'm about uh, six hours into it now. And man, guys, that is an experience. That's, have you guys played Skyward Sword before? Yep, you know my answer to that. I know that answer to that, and quite frankly, it should stay that way. But, however, <laughs> before I get deeper into that, it's okay. I, I want to defend, uh, but the last time I played Skyward Sword, I, it was 2013, mm-hmm. and so it's been quite a while, it's been five years since I've played Skyward Sword. And so when I first played it, I was like, whoa, my eyes are burning. The graphics are horrible. When did it get this terrible? Now, mind you, I was playing a a game for a mythical console called the Wii U, the HD update. And, you know, those were, you know, fantastic. It looked good. It was, you know, it was 1080 or whatever, you know, the real equivalent is. Is it really 1080 or is it 720? The Wii U is 1080. Okay, I'm just yeah. making sure. Wow, we referenced two dead consoles in one in, in like 10 minutes. That's yeah, amazing. welcome to the casual master quest. When we got... You've satisfied me. I'm all done here. My work is done. <laughs> I said, we just got to bring up the Amiga at this point. I think we'd be all set. Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, funny story really quick. So oh, my, my college club, my cl- college club started up again. Even though I graduated, I'm going back uh, to the gamer club. And I managed somehow, I don't know how the hell this happened, but did you just drink? Look, I need Tyler to feel just took a for... shot of hot sauce over here. Look, I need to feel pain from what is, what's about to happen because I feel like I need to develop real tears for this. So oh go ahead and tell God. me that. You got, that was you ridiculous. Got, you got some. You got some right there. I just I just look away and he's chugging hot sauce. Anyway, so I sit down and I manage somehow. I sit yeah, down let's and be real. manage. It's Frank's Red Hot. It's not really yeah. hot sauce. You know, oh, okay. Like... Fair, fair. So I sit down, managed to sit with four other people who not only owned a Wii U, but all played Xenoblade Chronicles X. 
which only sold like like six hundred thousand units or something like that. Like it was ridiculous. Statistically, that should not have been. So, possible. so do all like the worst gamers live in your area? Is that all the is, best? All the best. The right. best. Yeah. <laughs> if I could sit in a room with three other unicorns too, I would totally do it. No questions asked. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a bigger difference. You know, they're cooler. Mm. We you, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's kind of upsetting because the only person that I've known personally that had a Wii U was the person that gave me his Wii U to serve overseas. And then he bought his own Wii U a second time after I paid off for, you know, getting his. Yep. And so that was, was the only connection I had of knowing people that had the Wii U. And then you came along, Cam. So bless yeah. you. Thank you. Like, I know a few, but the thing is, Xenoblade Chronicles X was such a niche game even on the wii u that it oh, was yeah. super amazing i was managed to just sit down with three other random people who all had played it it was a little bizarre i mean for me that, that would be like sitting in the room with uh three other people that played swords uh four swords adventure for the gamecube it's like with four people with like at least <laughs> one other person so they had to use the game boy advance uh, you know extension cords and all that stuff yeah, I was going to uh, say, I, I still, I'm still convinced to this day, and I actually, we have, my friends and I have all the equipment to do it, and we've done it before, but I'm convinced to this day nobody's actually beaten that game with four people, with really? everybody connected, because- I got bad thing, news right? for you, buddy, you have met him. You need, you need to have, with four people, you need to video have proof. three Game Boys, you need to have three Game Boys, GameCube controller, and three of the link cables as well. You mean as, four, right? No, because you can still, no, doesn't first screen still able to play on the GameCube uh, or no? I believe specifically, uh, if you're playing single player, you can use just the GameCube controller because yeah, they can yeah. switch screens in the TV. But I had thought, and I'm pretty sure that I needed uh, four different Game oh, Boy Advance controllers. Because yeah. when you're entering a house with a, you know, or something like that, it would show it on the uh, Game Boy Advance instead of actually on the screen. Yep. But so you need. I could be wrong on that. Game Boy. You need four Game Boy Advances. You need the game itself. You need the link cables, and it's just like, I've never seen it done without the intentional endeavor to do it so like my friends and i actually went around and got all the equipment and we're like okay we need to buy a couple more cables we have enough game boy this should be okay because you can't use certain models there's only some you can use and it's like uh and you finally get there and it, it's a it. huge passion project project of love like i had a, <laughs> a orange plastic toolbox specifically dedicated to hold all these controllers and cables and whatnot and so when my friend looks at me and says bring the orange toolbox it's like i know what he wants to do and we're gonna do this <laughs> and time. this was at the point of the time where uh the wii was the big thing and so getting cables and whatnot without resorting to amazon was very difficult going to the mom and pa shops trying to right. find them because they weren't at walmart anymore but when i got them and then we all had our game boy advances or you know the dead console left of one and we started to put on the use. It was a fantastic moment, man. The idea of having four different people team up and just like link together to start spinning around in a square of death. It was one of the most satisfying experiences, man. Definitely. I will say just big, big hard on Nintendo's end for why did they ever think that was a good idea? Because nobody was able to do it. Oh, it was like the experience was beautiful simply because of how difficult it was. Yeah, uh, it, exactly. I mean, they tried to make it easier with Triforce Heroes, mm -hmm. but... Eh. Oh, well. That, that all being said. So, Skyward Sword, uh, I would say without uh, any kind of reservation, Skyward Sword, out of all the Zelda games, with the possible challenge of Wind Waker, has the best soundtrack in all the series. Really? Uh, yes, 100%. I'm now, strong uh, on Wind Waker for that one. I Like I said, uh, Wind Waker is a good challenge to that, because Wind Waker has a quite a good, uh, you know, the themes and the way that they build each of the uh, soundtracks, very nice. However, I noticed that uh, Skyward Sword, uh, I believe that was 
was Skyward Sword the first one to do an actual full-size orchestra for recording the music? Because I thought that was the case. Because, uh, uh, I mean, I know they did something similar. To, I want to say that uh, that goes challenged because I believe Twilight Princess also had it orchestrated. Uh, Wind Waker might have been medied a little bit. And everybody... You okay there, Cam? Oh, never mind. Cam is gone. He's teleported. Uh, we lost so, Cam. So anyways, the Vita is dead. The we Hi, Cam. Uh, so anyways, uh, let's talk about... Uh, Did story. you really ask me a question in those like 30 seconds I was gone? Yes. We didn't realize. We didn't realize because you were in the same pose as you no, just... I, I thought you were, you were talking about Skyward Sword. Why are you asking me something? <laughs> I was okay. like, I'm gonna get away with it this time. <laughs> okay, let's say, let me rephrase it like this. That way, it doesn't like evolve into a debate. Uh, Skyward Sword has a great soundtrack. Okay, and it's probably its most redeeming feature by far, 100. <laughs> because uh, I played a game on the stream yesterday. Uh, every time I saw Fi giving me instructions on how to play the game, I'd take a shot. I was pretty intoxicated by the end of that yeah. fairly quickly too, because there were moments where she'd be appear to tell you something, a cutscene would happen, she'd disappear into your sword, and then right after the cutscene ends, she would pop right back out to tell him someone else. So that, that's a double shot right there. I'm getting tanked, and uh, they, I didn't think that when people are saying, "Oh, it's a really hard hand holding game," it's like it's not that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's bad. I mean, I'm right now. I just finished uh, the first two dungeons, and uh, she is still have not stopped. She has still, you know, or she's continued rather. I'm a terrible English speaker. I'm sorry. Uh, she keeps going, and it's really frustrating because it stinks because I really want her to have a personality, but there's nothing that's going to be there. Like the the only time she gives humor is you know it through statistics, which isn't really humor, but it's like. It's humor for us, but not through her. And the only time she gives emotion is at the very last sentence she says at the very end of the game. And so I know I have to deal with her as a partner who is really isn't there. It almost reminds me of Detroit Become Human with Connor. Because uh, Connor uh, didn't really have all that emotion either. But he was, you know, at the end, he started to realize that he had, you know, something going on there. He felt justice and love. And uh, yeah, Pi doesn't have that. So Skyward Sword. So, uh, let's talk about uh, Destiny 2. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's definitely do that. Where do you okay. want to start? Okay, okay. So, um... as the Destiny 2 uh, very active premium expert and headmaster of this entire topic for the show. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thank leading pioneer uh, for Destiny 2 talk and all of the future for many podcasts to come. Please tell me about it. Oh crap! I don't. I don't want to. I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> I think the wrong name here. I'm gonna go. Nick, well, thank uh, you. Tell thank us you. about it, please. With Nick's uh, just learning. It's understandable. Um, so yeah, you the, just start the, this one, Tuesday night. One thing I want to first. I want to set the boundaries here. Um, as far as I understand it, Cam, you finished the story. Yeah, yeah. Of, you finished all the stories. I'm I finished all the stories. Yeah. Tyler, you've not finished uh, the the new campaign, right? I have uh, put an hour and a half into Forsaken, so I have had just enough time to see. Uh, Cade uh, give his last witty joke and then see all the uh, lieutenants, uh, you know, give their farewell right. with uh, Mr. Sob. Right, right. Okay. So, um, so then I'm, I'm going to lead it, lead it asking you a question. Um, you've, you've had the luxury, you've had the, the blessing to play Destiny 2 base campaign, Curse of Osiris and Warmind with the new weapon system. How, how have you enjoyed your experience so far? 
Have now, you enjoyed your experience so far? Could you explain the uh, new weapon system? Like, what so, would I have been used to previously? So, uh, uh, so Destiny Two went free for PS Plus users. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, so after the twenty eighth. So that was when they changed the weapon system. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the previous weapon system in your primary and your secondary slot, you would have only ever been limited to hand cannons, pulse rifles, scout rifles, auto rifles, and sidearms and SMGs. Uh, shotguns, snipers, fusion rifles, linear fusion rifles, uh, grenade launchers, and rocket launchers were restricted to the power ammo slot. So, as um, as a uh, popular Destiny YouTuber put it, the top weapon, the weapon system pre this uh, pre patch was um, terrible. He used a stronger word and a word that I'm not using. I'm not allowed yeah. to use yet. Yep. Um, no, you got about another ten minutes. Don't worry. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just curious as to how your experience has been with the, the new weapon system. Like, have you been enjoying yourself, or? Well, uh, with uh, this in mind, since I'm fresh to all the new weapon types and all that with Destiny Two, I've uh, starting to favor certain types of rifles. Uh, my two top favorite would be the pulse rifle right. and the uh, the the scout rifle. Uh, mostly okay. because it's more focused on uh, less recoil. It does only a couple of shots, but I like to hit and hit hard precisely when I do hit. Okay. And uh, I was, since I'm now able to do that, I believe that wasn't the case before. I can have, you know, a scout rifle in one category and then a pulse rifle in my second category. Was I not able to do that before? No, that's how it was. Oh, right? then I'm happy so far. So uh, okay. I guess the problem is the the power weapons then, such as the rocket launcher, the grenade launcher, where were they originally? So they were also shotguns, snipers, grenade launchers, rocket launchers, fusion rifles, swords. They were all in the power slot only. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, shotguns, snipers, fu- certain fusion rifles um, are now, you can... Uh, equip them in either the kinetic or the energy slot. Yeah. So okay. essentially so, you could possibly have a loadout that consisted of three shotguns. Yep. Now, crazy question. I thought I had saw this and I might be wrong. Can you get a grenade launcher in your energy or kinetic slot? There are a few grenade okay. launchers that you can get only in your yeah. energy slot. Okay. Uh, okay. And those are single shot grenade launchers. Yeah. yeah. So you have to reload after and the one okay. exotic, it's called the fighting lion. I haven't seen that yet. Jeez. Uh, yeah. I guess since I haven't technically gotten far enough to where this has taken a huge effect on me, I don't care for shotguns in particular unless it's PvP. Mm-hmm. And uh, hand cannons almost in the same boat. So since oh, we're uh, opposites. <laughs> okay. since, uh, I like to use uh, the scout rifle and the pulse rifle for uh, both PvP and PvP uh, uses. Uh, I don't think the weapons change has given me a huge effect. No, that's fine. So. Um so how it used to be in destiny one is your primary slot would be scout rifles pulse rifles auto rifles hand cannons um and i'm trying to think if there's anything else no that's it um your secondary slot was shotguns snipers fusion rifles sidearms we didn't have smgs in destiny one and your uh, heavy ammo slot was rocket launchers swords grenade launchers light machine guns which are coming back in one of the next dlcs okay, okay. I was um and so so what they did was people were complaining about the Destiny 2 weapon system because it wasn't great for PvP, but I it, I missed it when things changed for PvE to some extent. Like, it was not terrible. Um, but in terms of PvP, it really forced people to stick together and shoot. There were no solo moments, but that's a different topic. Um, 
I think one big change too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but now is it the case that you can actually decide to use the sniper rifle and not be crazy? Yeah. So in <laughs> so specifically, this is a big change for PvP because um, you can go out uh, earlier. You had to rely on get picking up heavy ammo, which spawned once a minute, yes. and you'd only get about four or five shots. And you had to compete with everybody else on your team if you wanted to snipe. Now you get two shots in your sniper right off spawn because you can put it in either your kinetic or your energy slot, or you can put a sniper in both but then but they use ammo special pool. ammo now the green ammo yeah. yeah it uses the green ammo and they share the they share the ammo pool okay. um and so this is really so what they did was they took a best of both worlds kind of uh, situation they made a really modular weapon system where you can run three snipers you can run three shotguns if you wanted there's no practical sense as to why you would because uh special ammo reload if you can murder Pretty much, that's that's precisely it. But now it's a lot more modular, and anybody can play the way they want to because Destiny 2 uh, OG weapon system was not terrible for PvE. Um, what was really confusing was that a sniper was put in the same category as rocket launcher. Yeah. Some snipers deserve to be there, but most snipers don't output as much uh, damage as a rocket launcher would. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was one of the other confusing moments. You don't you didn't feel powerful in PvE. Now. I can slide around the place shotgunning like enemies in the face if I wanted with a rocket launcher and like a hand cannon. Um, so anyways, that, that, that's my little rant on how things have changed for the better. There have been a bunch of quality of life updates. Um, but tell me about uh, Tyler, tell me about your experience with Forsaken campaign so far. Like, well, have you enjoyed the difference in storytelling? I'm just curious, Dan. I would like to pose my own yeah, question yeah. to the two of you. Uh, favorite type of weapon so far like i said mine is the pulse rifle specifically but is there a type of rifle that or a gun that you guys really enjoy yeah i'm feeling specifically there's hand cannons yes hand cannons in general but the specifically there's a couple hand cannons that it's it's a reload thing with a couple of the hand cannons rather than coming out with the side barrel it splits in half like a break almost and you throw like the new barrel on the front and then pull it back up I haven't found another one since I was using one mid war mind and I want to really, really bad. That was my favorite by far. Okay. And uh, okay. Nick. Um, I love pulse rifles. Pulse okay. rifles are my uh, general go-to, um, but in terms of PVP, hand cannons, fusion rifles, shotguns, um, I want to be able to get my sniping back. I used to be a decent sniper in D1. Do you remember the gun called the Gravitron Lance? Graviton Lance, yes. Graviton Lance, pardon me. Yeah. That, that is a pulse rifle that I love and adore, and I've kept with me to this day since PvP, uh, you know, the damage of the gun is... Isn't that... Uh, I can't even say that word. Does it matter what the power level is on a gun when it comes to uh, the Crucible? Uh, not for most Crucible playlists, no. Okay. Uh, so your power like level advantages are disabled for most playlists. Uh, so the Graviton Lance, interestingly enough, uh, was affected by a, an exotic weapon buff in, I want to say, May or June. So the Graviton Lance and the Vigilance Wing. Graviton Lance is an energy weapon, so it goes in the second slot. Vigilance mm -hmm. Wing will go in the top slot. Uh, the Vigilance Wing is a five-burst pulse rifle, and it's a, one of the slower rate-of-fire uh, pulse rifles, but it absolutely dominates from medium to long range. Graviton Lance is a two-burst pulse rifle, um, I can't remember the rate of fire on it, but it also absolutely dominates. So the take, uh, the time to kill for those two guns was significantly lower than anything else that was in the crucible at that point in time. Oh, and so, and so you couldn't, you couldn't play. Like you couldn't have even a good time or uh, go into the crucible without feeling sweaty if you didn't have a graviton or if you didn't have a vigilance wing. And, and so that's where the crucible needed to be. Yep. And so now that's what the norm is. I think the reason why I give it a strong appreciation is because uh, 
first off, when I looked up about it, because I really liked it, but I wanted to make sure it was something useful for PvP, they say aim for the crotch when you're doing uh, mid to high range, because if you headshot with the second shot, it will send off a third shot, I believe. And uh, having a third, you know, equal damage shot when it's supposed to be doing two for the same amount of damage, that's, you know, that's 50% more power right there. And so I was like, oh, you know, yeah. I, can sh I can shoot at the junk of my foes and then, you know, that'll secure victory in my end. And I thought that was cool. Plus, yeah. it has a nice sound to it. Yeah, so the Graviton Lance still is very... Um... It's very crispy. It feels good. I cannot speak to aiming for the crotch because that seems like a console thing, like a like a controller uh, kind uh, of issue. Yes, um, uh, I, I forgot PC versus console. I'm I sorry. Mean, I for the head. Not not about to start. <laughs> not about to start the entire debate. But then a whole bunch of things. Uh, like I can I can I can uh, adjust my own aim for the recoil, whereas it's not as easy on a, on a controller. Um, but yeah, no, it still feels good. Like these, the weapon still dominates in PvP. I just wish that with the new weapon system, uh, people just experiment with newer weapons, especially with Forsaken. But people are still sticking with older weapons, and to some extent, I can understand because random rolls are a thing now, so they need to find good weapons to use. But yeah, I would so like those two. What Whisper? One was Whisper. One was Sleeper. Right? Aren't those two really big ones in Crucible right now? Uh, Whisper and Sleeper, no. Whisper, oh, no. well, Sleeper, yes, but Whisper, okay. Whisper is okay uh, in PvP, but it's a PVE machine. Oh, okay. You get three critical sh uh, shots, and then it reloads your magazine from from magic, like it doesn't pull from reserves. Oh, fuck. So as long okay. as you hit, as long as you hit the boss three times in the head, you get three more shots. Oh, and so nice. it's basically a DPS machine. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Now, Nick, I'd like to apologize. You asked me a question earlier. I've already forgotten it. Do you want to repose oh, it yeah. to me? Um, how do you feel about the story of Forsaken so far as compared to Warmind, Curse of Osiris, and base game? I know you only said you're only an hour and a half into it, but how do you feel about it already so far? Well, in comparison to the other three, which would be Vanilla, Osiris, and then Warmind, uh, in terms of a strong intro, uh, because I really felt like uh, Warmind and Osiris didn't have the strongest of intros. It was more like, let's give you a cutscene to show you what's going on and then throw you into it. Whereas in Vanilla, you were part of the conflict and the cutscenes. And obviously, it, all the way to the point where Gaul takes over the uh, the Traveler and all that. It's like, oh, I am a part of this issue and I'm going to you know, take care of it. And uh, they did something similar here. It's like, oh, you're just uh, going to you know, la-di-da-di-da into this prison and uh, make sure everybody's straight and all that stuff. And then, obviously, serious crap really, really happens. And the fact that they have me as the player invested into the story almost immediately as a part of the problem, or I guess in this case, hopefully the solution, uh, I like the idea that I'm feeling really involved into the storyline where I haven't felt like that in Warmind or Cyrus so far. Uh, personally, uh, I was kind of upset because I actually didn't know up until uh, people have told me straight up about Cade. Uh, apparently this was not uh it was technically a spoiler but they made it very clear before he even dropped yeah. it like hey he's gone you know kiss his butt goodbye and it was really upsetting and quite frankly i would love to kill sov right now like he 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 gives him that feeling it's like man i could blow this guy's brains out and feel <laughs> yes, some enjoyment give him out of to it. the darkness yep um I was, yeah the name of uh osiris the final boss was that uh, properties or something like that panoptes Pan yeah yeah like Eh, okay, cool. He's an AI that uh, you know doesn't like me there. Uh, you know, I don't feel invested in murdering him. And then it's like, eh, Zol, sure, okay. He's yeah. a giant worm that just appeared at the last end of the game. It's like, oh, we need to actually have them kill somebody. Let's uh, let's put Zol in. Uh, you know, the the world worm. 
during Warmind, I actually felt like I skipped a mission or something because I suddenly went from investigating one thing to all of a sudden everybody's talking about Zol. Like it's something I should really know about. And I felt like there was a skip there or it was just bad writing or something where I was like, wait, wh why are we here now? And it's, why no, is there a bad writing? Guard? Uh, okay. Yeah, no, there's plenty yeah. of references to the Worm Gods in uh, Destiny 1, but not even yeah. through the campaign. Yeah. Mostly through in-game lore. Right, right. Um, yeah. yeah. In Warmind specifically, it started off of, uh, you know, this lady's turn to investigate her past, after, you know, before she turned into a guardian. And sure as heck, hey, look, she's, you know, she was in charge of one of the biggest weapons in mankind's history. And so it turned into, let's see if we can turn this on, the turn the tides in her favor. And as Cam said, and all of a sudden, Daddy Zavala just appears out of nowhere and says, you shouldn't be here. I'm going to give you an emotional moral crisis. And the girl's like, I'm going to give you an opposing moral crisis. And Zavala's like, by the way, shouldn't you be attacking, you know, attacking that Zol guy? And it's like, the who? Yeah, I was like, what? Huh? I was like, uh, so they pushed me towards Zol. I'm like, uh, did he kill my father or something? Like, uh, give me, give me <laughs> so, some kind of attack. So did he pee my dog's grave? Really quick and very briefly and very vaguely. Zol's uh, Zol a hive god, right? Zol is one yeah. of the five hive gods, okay. and but he's the smallest and the youngest, as far as I believe. Um, and and I, I can't remember. I can't remember why he was uh, split up from the rest of the hive gods. But his uh, priest, the necromancer Nocris, mm -hmm. who you fight in one of the missions, and it also yes. becomes a strike, uh, was one of Oryx's uh, children. Okay. Now Oryx was the Taken King. Yes. But apparently, to him, Nocris didn't exist because of his interest in necromancy that the hive apparently don't care for, despite That's being direction. able to summon gods. Um, anyways, Nocris and Zol teamed up to do whatever. Uh, I believe they attacked Rasputin, mm -hmm. and in defense, Rasputin flash froze the area around him. Okay. But and now it's starting to melt, and that's why Zol's uh, uh, awakening again. Oh, okay. and that's why okay. they did a fantastic job, like one of the best. Not explaining that, to you. <laughs> yeah. and so good for them. So far, it feels like when it comes to Forsaken, I'm on the up and up of what I should be knowing and what they want to let me know in terms of the story. Now, obviously, if there's twist or hidden information that I don't, you know, uh, you know, random twist, uh, you know, midway through the game and whatnot that I don't know, that's okay. That's part of the storyline. But it feels like anything that they want me to know, they've been direct and able to feed me personally. Now, hopefully for you guys who have beaten the game, uh, does that trend continue? Does it feel like you're well aware what's going on? I think early on, one thing that is important is not to talk about endgame stuff at all, but I think early on it is important to know that I feel like you do need a working knowledge of Destiny 1 because you need to understand the Reef and Marasov and all of that, I think, to get what's going on in Forsaken, or else you're like, wait, what's the Prison well, of Elders? It's, it's to on? completely understand, but yeah, yeah. I think um, for core concepts. Uh, yeah, the, the core, at least like the background concepts to completely understand who Sov was because I hated him from the beginning. Welcome to the Night Pub Show, where things may be not safe for work. If you have children around, you might want to hold off. Don't worry though, we will be waiting for you. He was introduced and we only saw him for maybe, I, I want to say all of like two or three minutes on yeah. screen in Destiny 1, but I hated him from the beginning. He was this edgy, you know, um, yep, yep. rat rat bastard looking motherfucker just <laughs> hanging around and i couldn't fucking stand him from the very beginning he was introduced in destiny one uh but marasov marasov can get it that's all this <laughs> okay. uh, so i think it's important to kind of know who she is and, and the reef situation too before you get into forsaken now marasov is was she the queen yes okay marasov was the queen of the reef um 
she's alive technically at uh, some point in the story then I presume at least then right um and she disappears smoked. is what I read is okay, that so she disappears fighting Oryx right it it I can answer this question depending on how much Tyler wants me to like spoil or reveal uh, yeah, I mean, I kept my question set bag, so. In terms okay, of the so, setup, she, she, so in terms of setup, here, she died. Okay. She's dead. The 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 queen, the take, uh, the awoken queen is dead. Okay, and so that leaves then uh, Mr. Sov and his sister to pick up the pieces to uh, handle. I guess I, I I like I haven't gotten far enough. Like I saw your stream, Nick, so I know that uh, him and her are teaming up to. Uh, do something a little bit more uh, malicious, I guess you could say, right. than yeah. whatever yeah. Uh, Miss uh, Marsov, Queen Lady, uh, was doing. So I haven't gotten that far to see what's going on there. I'm actually kind of interested in the fact that I feel like I got hit with a, uh, I would personally say a World of Warcraft 5 for Legion that they show all the lieutenants at the beginning of the game. But I think it's more comparable to Mega Man to having say, all, all the you know, all the bad guys drop down there and it's like, yeah, look at me. I'm I think. Cool. Forsaken as a whole, and people talk about this, I really feel a strong Western influence. It's definitely yep. a space Western. That's the idea. And so it shows like it's like all the different lieutenants. They have their the own cards, names and taglines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I haven't gotten that far yet. I was hoping oh, okay. they do. Yeah, no, it's a Western, full on. <laughs> because in like uh, World of Warcraft, uh, not to bring it back into there, uh, when they introduce the Iron Horde, Horde, uh, it shows each of the uh, generals, and it'll show you know this person's name and who they're the leader of the clan of this one. Do they do something like that each time we meet each of the uh, lieutenant like figures, or not no. each time? No, but uh, each, uh, each um, baron has their own uh, unique interactions. Yeah, and honestly, like uh, me and my me and my buddy played through it, and we were like uh, pretty overpowered, overleveled for the uh, level of those missions. But we had a ton of fun regardless. Yeah. Like each each level was pretty unique, and mm. we haven't had that in a long time. Um, there was one there's one strike that's fantastic like i can go on and pick, they make a lot of references to d1 again and it's really it makes me happy yep, yep, yep. okay uh, yeah they felt as a whole i think all of the that was probably one of the most fun points is actually going around to the lieutenants and doing that sort of thing because all as you said are very unique and they even introduce some mechanics that you haven't seen much of or before because sometimes you'll run into the end bosses right and they'll just be like yeah, pick up the thing over here and then put it over here and that way you can unlock it so you can shoot it with the big guns right but this right. is a little different they do some different things yeah um, and I will also quickly say, everybody, I think all three of us would have a, had experience with this. Nathan Fillion. I love Nathan Fillion. He's the voice actor for Kate Six. Um, but they couldn't keep him on for this expansion. Yeah. So, Nolan North, the voice of your ghost. Um, honestly, did a fantastic job for, mm -hmm. for the most part of it. There's certain things like the intonations and maybe like the depth of his voice that there's really not much you can do about that. But he did a great job for how much ever they recorded. And I just wanted to say that. Okay. okay, cool. I uh, look forward to uh, maybe not having as much as an in-depth discussion, but I do think that we should give it a good part as we uh, figure out what we're going to be doing for the uh, future raid. Or raid I do, yeah, I do actually want to say really quick, uh, one thing I do like about Forsaken, having just played through all of the other expansions and base game, yeah. is that I felt like all the other expansions, I pretty much was done with everything in a second. So it's funny, you know, I picked this thing up no, less you, than a week ago, done, and I was yeah, done, and I was done. Everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because Osiris and Warminders, like, okay, do the story missions. There's like a couple strikes, like maybe a raid or something like that, and the adventures. But there's there's still a lot to do in Forsaken. Like, I'm done with yep. the story, but I'm nowhere near finished. Nope. So, yeah. I am at max level, though, so that's fun. 
Cool. Awesome. Uh, now, I, I just realized uh, earlier, like, I think today, that the uh, max cap is now 50. So yeah, yeah. I kept telling my friend it was like 40 or 45. I, I thought it was 40. Him. Yeah. That That is a heck of a jump, you know. Well, the level cap has never it's been kind of like, eh, whatever, you know. It yeah, just bothers you while you're leveling up to, like, not be able to equip weapons. But it's a light, the power level that uh, took a big jump from 385 mm-hmm. to 600. And... <laughs> Does it bother you that you have to say power level now instead of light level? Very much. I still say light level. I'm saying yeah, power level. Yeah. Like, politically correct. or what, Like, I'm not politically correct, but, you know, technically yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the term, yeah. Um, no, I still call it light level. We still all say light level. I've never said power level in, like, a regular conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's really funny and the thing that does get me is I imagine if you were at Endgame for months, right, waiting for this expansion, like you were, Nick, where, you know, you have all your end gear, like Warmind level stuff at like 380, 385 or whatever. And then you just, you know, you like swander on into Forsaken and just blues are dropping at 400. And you're just like, oh, well, this is my life now. No, I love it. I I love it because it's hard to get that stuff you put time into that's what gets me is like all those items that i would have put shaders on and all those items i would have like infused up and now they're just like now they're useless unless they're not they're still i mean i know what you're saying but i don't i don't care like it's a chance to find new weapons new gear to go through the power struggle again to feel like i need to work my ass off to actually get through certain lost sectors missions story missions no i'm i'm excited i'm always up for a challenge oh boy uh, can't wait. Can't wait, guys. <laughs> so uh, I do believe that's uh, going to be our Destiny talk for this episode. Yep. So mm-hmm. Let's head on over to the next section where uh, instead of being in misery, we're going to put one person in particular in misery. Yay. Sounds good. With a uh, like maybe 50% misery coming my way because I can't save him. I've been I, waiting all week for this. I have been waiting all hour and a half for this. Uh, about 10 minutes uh, before the... Uh, the actual uh, podcast started so <laughs> let's let's see what we got going on here for those who don't know we have what is called the nick switch initiative a challenge for nick where we're going to give him a bunch of questions uh five questions each day or not each day uh, each week oh god each day that'd be a nightmare about uh nintendo related uh you know trivia knowledge in hopes of getting him the funds needed so he can purchase his own nintendo switch and so he can enjoy the the fruits of his own labor essentially it's true. Play- you know, Zelda or something cool like that. And uh, the topic this week is what, Cam? It is Fire Emblem. It is, in fact, Fire Emblem. Yeah, see, see, now we've always, like, I don't really have much knowledge about Nintendo franchises except for Pokemon, but Fire Emblem, I just know nothing about it. That's fine Neither. because Fire Emblem was not big over here until recently, and that's a hint for an answer, so. <laughs> okay, so okay. let's let's do this. Let's start this, and let's begin the next switch initiative all right all right as always two calls over to tyler if you do want some assistance and he can tell you if he can help or not before you actually waste that i have five questions for you here as well as a difficult bonus question if you want to challenge that as well at the end one way or the other and uh, yes, I think we'll uh, we'll go through this. No particular order. These things are very out of order in terms of timelines. So I don't think I'm sticking any sort of timeline. Okay. If you have any questions, feel free to ask for clarification. Okay. okay. And First I d- off. I would like to clarify that uh, all these questions and uh, the solutions to them were all derived from the Wikipedia that focuses on embl- uh, fire emblems. Correct. Yes. Yes. It okay. was. And just as always, just to let you guys know as well, whenever I'm making a quiz, I only put questions that I already knew, not something I just looked up. 
Okay. So I don't want to, yeah, so I'm not making it ridiculously difficult or anything like that. Uh, but I think this is very fair. You asked for half of the power of the midterm, so I think this respects your intelligence, but ask some tough questions. So Super Saiyan 2, not Super Saiyan God. Thank yeah. you. So let's start I, off I easy. That. Let's start off easy. Nintendo publishes Fire Emblem, but what company develops Fire Emblem? <sighs> Damn it. I know this. I, I uh, I, the name. I know the name, but I'm sure I'm going to get dinged on the fact that I think it's plural instead of singular. So, I won't ding you on that. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm wondering if I should just take the hit. I mean, that's on you, man. Uh, I it, did say this was an easy question. I know, I know, but I can't remember the name. Like, I suck with names, as we've learned. True. Um, Although, we... if Tyler does have an idea, it might be a good time to use this. Like, that's uh, what I'm thinking. I, I will definitely put you on the, what I believe to be the right track. I, I'm like... Uh, 60% sure in the right direction. No, I think I'm going to take the hit. Okay. Uh, no. Do you mind if I give it a shot then? Yep. Sure, sure. Uh, I know it's, uh, I believe, intelligent or intelligence. Was it like intelligent systems or intelligent yes. games? Intelligent systems, also yeah. the creators of Advanced Wars. Okay. Yep. And uh, some other popular game way back then. But, and uh, just more hint stuff. Intelligent system, not hint stuff, but just some background knowledge. Intelligent Systems is not a Nintendo-owned company, but it is considered second party by a lot of people because their headquarters used to be in Nintendo's research department. If you're that far to the prison, are yeah. you not Nintendo? <laughs> They've never made a game on a non-Nintendo system, so they're, they're pretty much a Nintendo company. Okay. Alright, let's see. Moving on here. Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia coming out in 2017 is a remake of which game in the series? 20... coming out so, in 2017? Sorry, came out in 2017. Uh, so Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia came out in 2017 and it is a remake of which game in the Fire Emblem series? Okay, so we know there's 13 games that came out. Actually, I shouldn't be 15, uh, trying 15, to help you. I'm sorry, back now. <laughs> wow. 15 and 3 spinoffs, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, no, right, 12 and right. 3 uh 15 and 3 spin-offs? Well, it's 15, it's 15 if you count. Makes. Okay. It's 15 if you count something that we'll talk about later. Right. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Fire Emblem Shadows of Valencia. Yep. Uh, it, it it came out on the Wii, I think. Came out on well the, the Shadows of Valencia came out on the 3DS in 2017. I'm just asking you what game was it a remake of? Yeah, I don't know this one either. Ooh, oh, my glasses do not shine as strongly. I could, yeah. I could give you like maybe loose uh, information, but it wouldn't be anything for you to grasp a good solid yeah. title. Yeah, no, I'm going to pass on this All one right. too. The answer Ooh. was, it was a remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden, the second game in the series. For yeah, I definitely wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> I, I was right. trying to remember, Valentia, I believe, was a world for two games. Do you remember what the second one is? Or is that a question or something? Um, I know, I'm not sure. It's, hold on. So if it's Valentia was, I know that that's not one, I don't think it's one of the two big main con continents it always takes place on. So Gaiden took place there. I don't remember the other one. I mean, the only world I know specifically is Talius, which is uh, Path of yes. Radiance and Radiant Dawn. But other than that. Arcan Arcania and something else. And hell, I think uh, even in uh, Fates, they don't even say what the world's called. It's yeah. just countries. Nor in Hoshido, yeah. Okay, moving on. Third question. You still have chance here. You still have three yes. more, as well as a bonus yep. question. Yep. This Fire Emblem title is the most popular in the West and the most popular overall, selling over 1.79 million copies worldwide. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that sound effect works or not, but... Uh, no, you gotta go shing! <laughs> oh, sorry. Shing! I'm Tyler. like... 
Oh, are you calling in on me for your one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so obviously I'm a big fan of uh, Path of the Radiance for the GameCube, but obviously that's probably not going to be the big one. The closest thing that I could possibly think of would be the one called Fire Emblem Awakening, which uh, got huge uh, sales, and it made a good return to the interest of Fire Emblem as a whole. Now, I don't know if Cam has like one that, you know, that secret sleeper hitter that made big sales but didn't get quite the uh, the notoriety that came with it, but I personally believe it would have been Fire Emblem Awakening for the, was it the DS or 3DS, Cam? 3DS. 3DS. Okay, that would make more sense. So that would be my answer. Sorry, Nick, what is your answer? I'm going to go with Fire Emblem Awakening. All right, that is correct. Good job. Good job. I was nervous yeah. because Fire Emblem Fates uh, would have been a close second. Yeah, I would like to think, as well. <laughs> but the uh, the split between having two different games that you would have to play separately, buy yeah. them both, and put them together for the third one, Revelations, I believe it's called, that would that that would not have made the complete sales. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, and I don't think even together they beat the sales of Awakening. Like it was it was a really drop off because Awakening was such a such a big hit in 2013. Uh, let's see. All right, so you got one there. You got two more here. Yeah. Yep. So. Going off that question, Nick, what was the first Fire Emblem game to be released in the West? I just want to, you don't need to do the Japanese name. I just want you to give me the name of the game and what year. It's funny you should say that, Cam, because I understand what you mean by that. So my glasses are going to flash wildly. Oh, okay. We've got glasses flashing wildly. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Tyler, do you want to jump in here and help me out a little bit? If you want to, uh, the first game that came out. Uh, could you repeat the question? That way I don't accidentally fall yeah. into a pit trap. Here. I think you're falling into a pit trap. What is okay. the first Fire Emblem game to be released in the West? And I just don't need the Japanese name, just the name and the year. Okay. Oh, and the year? Yep. Ooh, oh. <laughs> uh, glasses unshamed. Otherwise. <laughs> well, we know that uh, Marth and Roy uh, came out for the Super Smash Brothers. Uh, technically, I, I assume that you wouldn't want to count that as the first uh, Fire Emblem presence game. No, that's not a Fire Emblem game. Okay, so uh, that stirred up a huge amount of interest for the Western, and uh, I do believe one of the first games that came out, uh, the first one that came out in uh, Japan, I believe, was called Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, and I do believe it eventually got a port called just simply called. Uh, either shadow dragon or yeah i think it was just called shadow dragon however the first one to come out i believe was just simply called fire emblem because uh they originally had a fancy name for it but when they released it in the u.s they didn't want to confuse the people with a bunch of names and they simply called it fire emblem however i uh i don't know the year whatsoever if it was after super smash Brothers, that would have been super smash Brothers melee specifically i would like to state so it went some, from the Famicom to the Super Famicom to the Game Boy Advance. I can tell yes. you that. So, so and I'll give you a Boy hint. Advance. I'll give you a hint, and then say also that 2001 was Melee, or, or it's post 2001. So I really want to say 2003, Tyler. I okay. Feel like. I mean, the first game that I can think of that came out in 2003 would have been Path of Radiance. That that that's around the same time frame that Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, but I believe they would have released a western game before that like on the game boy advance or something like that so then 2002 because 2003 was uh like post 2003 was when sales started to decline or 2004 and most of the games that they started to do the remakes in uh i believe eventually started i'm gonna give you guys a hint i'm gonna give you guys a hint path radiance was 2005 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, okay. So um, you said Fire Emblem, Tyler. Is that what you believe is just Tyler called? said it was called Fire Emblem. Yeah. And uh, Nick, what's the year? Um, so I'm gonna go with that Fire Emblem, and I think the year is 2003. Good job, Nick. You got it. Holy crap! I was yeah. right. That's why I wanted to get you off that train because I'm like, no, no, Path of Radiance was much later. Well, you were talking. <laughs> well, I thought you meant uh, Shadow Dragon in the Blade of Light, and Shadow, you're like, well, Shadow I, I, Dragon I, is the DS game in the West. It, it, in the West, it came out as just yeah. Shadow Dragon, but yeah. originally it had come out as Shadow Dragon and the uh, the uh, the Blade of Light. So I was throwing off, like maybe it was that, but then I was like, well, no, DS is kind of you know. Then I started panicking and backing up right there. That that was a good save on your end there, Nick. Good job, man. <laughs> So that means I got to back off from now yep. on. That's, yep. That's okay. This last question is very doable, I feel. So you, you okay. might have this in the bag. What decade did the fi first Fire Emblem game release in? Uh, well, it came out of the Famicom. Um, so I I, I want to say the 1990s. Uh, work with you. So, well, I, if you're yeah, you saying No, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the 1990s. Okay, uh, you are correct, and funny enough, I feel like for maybe the wrong reasons, because when I think Famicom, the 1990s is not what you should have thought. Yeah, you it would have been like 80s. <laughs> it yeah, was no, see, specifically, the only reason I said 1990s was because there were two games that came out of the Famicom, and we're talking about uh, a time when games came out pretty much like almost year after year. Yeah, and so there's just the two games, and then they moved on directly to the Super Famicom. So it must have been at the tail end of the Famicom's life. Oh, I see what you're going for. Okay, that's smart. That's smart. Didn't that was give smart. It worked yeah. out. Look at you. Your own glasses started shining. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> so, hey, Nick, that's three. But if you want, I got a challenge question for you. Let's try it. Yep. Okay. So there's a game, and and forgive me my name here, but uh, I'll, I'll do the. I think it's the full name. All right. So there's a game called BS Fire Emblem. Arcania Senki Hen, I believe. Yes, so and, uh, some yes. wild Japanese name that I have no reference name like to. That. No. And uh, my question to you as a challenge question is, uh, that Fire Emblem game came out specifically for what weird peripheral? It's not on a system itself necessarily, but can only be gained through the use of a weird peripheral. And yes. I'm asking you, what is the name of that thing? And I do know this... Uh the answer to this one but obviously that wouldn't yeah i want nick to get me this one uh this would be the same peripheral that would have done bs zelda correct uh, i think so actually yeah because of uh the way it functioned mm -hmm. peripherals um i'm thinking of not the right peripherals so it's I not a nintendo based have... peripheral just uh strongly emphasize on this one but hey i mean not you could not. say it's nintendo based yeah, okay I'll, I'll give you a hint and say it plugs it plugs into the super famicom <laughs> Okay. <laughs> sure, if you want to call it that. I mean, anything will plug into the Super Famicom if you try hard enough. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you have anything here, Nick? <laughs> no, nothing. Okay, so uh, the answer the answer is to tell of you. Um, the, the other thing, though, I did have one more that I was thinking of just for funsies. Okay. And this is a fun one. So Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, as a game, in the co core concept of the game, right? It has you going through the game, you make relationships, you have kids, and you get to play mm -hmm. as those kids as well. Uh, there's another earlier Fire Emblem game that has a similar mechanic about the, you know having children and being able to play as them in later generations. Do you happen to know what that game is? Why would he know? <laughs> Probably I will play as his lawyer now, like... Well, there's a hint in the name of it, it. This is a deep reach. This is a super challenge question, but there's a hint to this in the name of the game. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, Fire, was, yeah was, have you heard of the game Fire Emblem? You no, play as the sun. There was a one game called uh, something 
yeah, something right. with the holy war. <laughs> He's almost got it. <laughs> um, um, shit. What's the what's that word? It's a long, complicated English word. Um, I'll just give it to you. It's genealogy of the holy war. Genealogy of the holy war, <laughs> which oh, I believe boy. is the third game in the series. I, so. The only reason I vaguely even remember that was because it's a fucking weird name for like any kind of game to have. Yep. Like, why would you have like a genealogy of the holy war? Like, what's I'd yep. say half and point for that one though. Fingers crossed on that one too, though. Fingers crossed because we got uh, we got remakes for the original, we got remake for Gaiden, so hopefully we get a remake for Genealogy of the Holy War. That's okay. what I'm hoping. All right, so you did it, Nick. Good job. Yeah, good oh, job, dude. Really. Yeah. Making um, sure you always scrape by the by the. Uh, oh, that's the that's the only way I pass college nowadays. <laughs> you know? Just get in under sixty percent. Yeah, done and dusted. Yeah, you ask your TA to come help you with uh, the, the the midterms halfway <laughs> through the, the. Not even. I just give them a sub story and make up something, and then they just give me a pass on an assignment that I didn't do because Maybe. I didn't. Have, I just didn't want to do. So mm, yes. there was there was actually one time where, funny enough, in a class. It might have just been I garnered enough favor to actually pull this off or something. I don't know how I did it, but I never have missed an assignment. I always got very, very good grades in college. But there was one assignment that was a community service assignment that actually made it so I had to like go in the city and like find somebody to do community service with. And I just didn't do it. And it just never showed up on the grade. Never, oh, ever. Man. It was oh, a fifth man. of the grade. Whoa. Never showed up. <laughs> so, you're, so you're telling me your degree's a sham. Hello. Might be. Might be. I, I think I curried enough favor throughout my years um, in that department that they kind of overlooked it or something. Or that, you yeah. know what they probably thought? They probably thought, oh no, Cam must have done it. I just forgot it or I lost it or something and I don't want to, like, I'm embarrassed. So I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> uh, there was a time where, uh, I believe it was during middle school, we had a program called Helping Hands where we uh, encouraged these students to skip school and join a part of this program to go uh, do some volunteer service. Ooh. So once a week, uh, you know, I, I was a part of this program because I wanted the community uh, service that like benefit my grades or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of like extra credit of sorts. I uh, I joined uh, this team and went to a local uh, daycare center. And uh, I, you know, I like to think myself great with children. I'm wrong, but you know, I like to delude myself with the thought. And so I'd play with the kids, have fun with them, uh, toss the ball with, you know, with them. And there's no, you know, no rough uh, intenuation. Or whatever you want to call that with that uh however i was actually a danger to the uh, daycare's insurance policy because being the clumsy oaf that i was i would often accidentally break stuff that was intended for <laughs> children for example you, you imagine the uh giant wooden structure that had like the you know, climb up with the rope or something like that and then yeah, you yeah. had to slide down i of course decided to join them as a hulking you know 14 year old figure that was like oh, 200 pounds trying to climb with the kids and just completely ripped the bottom half of the this entire rope system that led where, up there where was the self-awareness <laughs> oh, and no. uh, i realized eventually like oh this is not designed for somebody that was a young adult at this point so <laughs> they stopped having me come but they gave me full credit anyways because they realized i was a danger and i was costing them more money than they were saving as an entertainer <laughs> So uh, yes, that that's my story for community service. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. So that was the Nick Switch initiative. Good job, Nick. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we can. Uh, do we want to discuss what we want to do for next week, or should we save that for after the show as a mystery? Uh, we'll save that for after. Yeah. I like that. I like that because you know I'm sure people would like to know beforehand themselves, but let's surprise them. Let's throw yeah. them a curveball. I think so it's which, better that we don't, because if people want to follow along and see if they can answer the questions themselves, any dear listeners, they don't have the prep time so they can answer truly from their own knowledge. That's the fun part. 
And plus, uh, what usually happens whenever we discuss this, uh, Cam will suggest something about uh, mobile handheld games. I'll say that's horrible because that's a vicious idea. I'll name some easy weeaboo uh, thing for me, you know him to pick. That's easy curveball. And then Nick this says, you know, give me the hardest thing you could possibly think <laughs> of because I'm crazy. And you know, then that takes five ten minutes. Let's. let's I mean, that. it's free money. Might as well work for it, right? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I would like to think that time is money. So, I mean, you spend the time for it. You've yeah. earned it. Oh, and but I, I enjoy spending the time. So, money. I I do believe with the twenty dollars, it puts you from one seventy-five to one ninety-five. So oh. you're just short of two hundred now. So that's like uh, you know a million Canadian dollars. Yeah, just about. Yeah, yeah. something like you know, rough conversion. Think of all the poutine you can buy with that. Oh uh, my gosh, yeah. that's a lot of poutine. That's so much cream. Anyways, let's go over to the topic of the show since yep. we're going to skirt news topics. I like this idea, by the way. Uh, topic of the show. Nick, I would like you to take this one since you're the uh, primary expert and also local Canadian uh, person. person personnel <laughs> of this area. I was going to say uh, a, another Canadian. word that could have some uh, poor suggestions. Uh, the word citizen. I'm sorry. Not yet. Another Not yet. I was say I was like, uh, it's like, ooh, that name that might be salt in the wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll shut if up now. Tell me about it. Even now. as a resident, I get treated better. But anyways, um, <laughs> um, XDS eighteen. Uh, it's the external developer summit. Um, eighteen not 18 times now this is uh 2018 it okay. happened for six days in a row here in vancouver bc canada um because there's vancouver washington just oh make that distinction yeah, clear. you're right yeah um so it's a uh, it's a video game conference that focuses on the development of video games specifically so it talks about um uh, different uh, studios developers working with external partners on developing graphical assets or you know uh, porting games over or just handling some of the coding and talking about um, graphical assets sound assets just basically everything that involves in getting the video game together so unlike e3 or PAX, uh, it's not about showcasing video games necessarily they'll use examples that the studio has worked on to just build up their resume because it is also a chance a networking chance for other partners to showcase that work uh, what work they've done with other big uh, developers and try and meet new developers or make relationships with other partners. So I was a volunteer and it was mostly just manual labor because it is a small organization that uh, manages and runs the event and it's a smallish event. I would estimate about uh, maybe 2,000 people over the three days um, and uh, I sat in on two conferences. Um, nice. One about user interface and it was a guy from sony i can't remember name so i this is the one thing that i don't uh i wish i was a little bit better at but was um he, was he like like really big sony name or what's I, you know no so he was as it is, i don't know any study uh, sony names but okay. he was he was about you know a little taller than me and he had really long hair okay that's all i can tell you <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> but anyways he I, I i don't remember what he did at sony all I know is just they're talking from Sony's point of view, but you, uh, they were talking about their partnership with a guy who does, uh, who has a VFX company that does VFX, so visual effects for movies and video games. And they were talking about how, um, not that it's never been like this or that it's a new thing, but how it's even more important to recognize how uh, movie visual effects and video game visual effects are sort of blending even more so. And they were using Ready Player One as an example. Um, There's and, a good joke in there. There's a good joke in there about movie games. <laughs> it, they don't work. Um, <laughs> they, they never work. But uh, yeah, no, like graphically, you can't deny that some of them actually have put the work in and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I and, got a name uh, I could pitch at you, and you tell me if it sounds familiar. 
Okay. Simon Basto or Basto. Mm, no. Uh, he's the manager of video production slash a producer from Sony PlayStation. I can see the website in your glasses reflection, Tyler. Oh, is that good or bad? <laughs> no, just just to say. What's his, uh, what's his name? Simon. Uh, Simon uh, B A S T O W. So Basto. I actually think that's it. Yeah, no, that is that is him, Simon Basto. Good job, Tyler. I'm gonna say you said. Uh, person with long hair he's the only person mm -hmm. that has uh, <laughs> hair more than like a millimeter that i could see right here yeah. so i just wanted to make sure you know give yeah. him credit where credit is due yeah so simon bastow um and that was an interesting uh, sort of uh, talk it wasn't uh, super technical it was just talking about their process and their ideology uh between sony and this other studio um and so that was one and then the other one was actually by the coalition Oh, now, okay. so the coalition, uh, they make Gears of War currently. Um, it used to be uh, Epic Games and Microsoft, and now it's the coalition. And the, it's a core group of people that came over from Epic Games. Um, and they were talking, this is a purely technical talk. They have partners in uh, Northern uh, Europe or Northwestern Europe, in India, Australia, and China. And they're talking about how they coordinate or how their backend systems are set up to coordinate managing and making sure that graphical assets and just the code and the game itself was available for everybody. Because any even a small change can be up to like 440 to 50 gigabytes of changes that they have to push into the system. So they were talking, it was very technical and really uh, a little bit dry, but um, it was interesting nonetheless to see how much effort actually goes into working with people across the globe. Um, and I had no idea was I was going to be sitting in on uh, the coalition's talk. All I know is that uh, the next presentation was starting after the UI presentation, um, and then the Gears of War five trailer comes on, and I, was, I I lost my fucking mind. And then I realized that the coalition actually has their main office in Vancouver, BC. Oh yeah, and they're just right across the street from the hotel I was at. And so I actually got to talk to. So his name was Phil Cousins. Yes. Um, Phil Cousins, uh, and uh, I got to talk to him about. Uh, basically, I just said thank you because they kept, Gears of War four felt like Gears of War. All right, and you know it's not it's not often that you get to um, you know say you know uh, show your appreciation for people who actually make the game, right? Yep. Because it's usually the one person who's like the face of the video game or the development team that's out there. But here I was meeting the actual like IT team behind it. Right? Yeah. Um, and then I was and then I was talking to them, and then he said, uh, you know, it's it's funny. It was a challenge for us because uh, with the Gears of War game, people don't want anything to change, but something also has to be different. Mm -hmm, right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, that's uh, and there was a lady standing with us and the guy uh, Phil uh, pointed over to her and he's like, you know, it's the same kind of issue that you deal with. And I hadn't uh, introduced myself to her yet. And I'm like, oh, that's very much like the Halo franchise. The lady goes, I work for 343 and I lost my fucking <laughs> Oh, man. And I was like, holy shit, what even is happening? I, I, I just <laughs> signed up life? as a student volunteer and I got to meet people from, uh, you know, franchises that I absolutely adore. And um, otherwise, it was just a really big networking event, more of like a party. It wasn't like super serious. It was really fun. They had an award that they gave out on the last day based on who danced the best at the previous like the party last night. Oh, God. So, um, it was really fun and it was uh, it was an experience. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, is there like any other uh, people of note that you can think of that you might have been had or you had a chance to meet? Um, not meet personally, but there were a lot of people there. There were also a bunch of like really like there was an Indian uh, Indian company that was there. I can't remember the uh, like. I'm sure if I mean, you pull I'm, up the I'm website. I'm looking at a, a list right now of all the people uh, in terms of Indian company that I might maybe Navitron Limited. No, not Navitron uh, Limited. They started with a D, um, but they worked on uh, Spider-Man. Apparently, they did some assets for Spider-Man, like uh, that just came out. Um, 
there was a there was a, a Chinese based company that that came out and they did work for Killzone and PUBG. It was a Brazilian company. So like one of the greatest uh, the, the 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 best things about this event was seeing um, representation in terms of people of color. Uh, hmm. to, to just to like avoid pushing too far into like a political topic it was just nice to see that you know because there's no representation of people who actually work in the industry a lot and, and there's just in general like when you go to like conferences or you think about PAX or E3 you really only just see the face you'll see you'll see God Howard you'll see just the faces of the company but you won't see uh, people who actually work in the field the, the, and, the actual backbone of the company like the actual yeah yeah and and people who want to be video game developers or who want to who actually want to get into this industry have nobody to look up to because we don't like i'm the prime example of that in terms of not knowing people's names right you, like I, I can tell you who todd howard is but i could i couldn't tell you who the lead engineer of this engine that they use for making the game is right mm -hmm. and it's not that and i don't want to take any importance away from anybody but there has to be role models in certain roles at least one or two so that people can have like a goal to work towards and i feel like this is this should be the case for every industry all throughout and so it's just nice to see that yeah and, and you know. there are a couple of people i mean there are a couple of people currently who aren't just pr guys but were also developers as well who are the big names that we know about uh cases of course being you know miyamoto satoru iwata you know who passed away uh, yeah those people Nintendo, who actually though. did and were developers todd howard as well uh, did actually develop the games personally so there are still some people out there among the big names but a lot of them are just the pr guys I was gonna say that uh, Nintendo does a very good job of uh, making celebrities out of people that were the developers of the games. Now, obviously, yeah. they're not just developers anymore; they're further up the the chain. But you know, that wasn't them back in the day. They were the people actually making the games. And Nintendo was like, "This guy, look at this guy, mm -hmm. this person, man, put him on a pedestal. Oh man, he is so cool." And not many other companies ever and do I'm, something and like I'm, that. And I'm sure, and I'm, I'm sure that, and I would like to hope at least that the company themselves give these people credit and enough, yeah. you know, recognition credit they deserve. But I'm talking more about, you know, and the public, uh, yeah, from public, eye. public view. Yeah, and it's not, and it's just nice to see that uh, this is slowly picking up. And I talked to the producers of the event, the organizers of the event. They said it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's, uh, you know, let's see what happens. Maybe I'll be volunteering again next year. Yeah, it was funny, actually, just to talk about Tyler's point real quick about the Nintendo thing, because it's something I've talked about before, where Nintendo's really, really good at pushing their big people forward and saying, like, here's our big shiny people. But a lot of the other companies are not like that. Like, I remember we actually got a question posed to us on my other podcast about what are some other big names in the industry besides your Satoru Iwata that really influenced the industry, like a, like a huge amount in the console industry. And I thought about it for a while and I was like, man, like I can... I can name, I think, the architect of the original Xbox and the PS1, maybe, but that's about it. And I was, I was thinking, and I was like, like they're really, it's really hard. It's really hard to get the name behind a lot of those, those uh, endeavors. Because realistically, I think that we should know, like some of our most popular franchises, right? We know, of course, you know who's behind Zelda, who was behind Pokemon. You know, we know that, but we don't know necessarily have many people knowing, you know, who was the person behind Halo, right? And but, why do you think that uh, is, like? Uh... Just, it's, you know, in hindsight. Nintendo pushes their people forward a lot, but there's also a heavy Nintendo bias in terms of just, just right now we're in a Nintendo bias because everybody who's doing podcasting, everyone who's doing reporting grew up on Nintendo games. Um, but there eventually will be a future where that might be a little different because we'll eventually get to a future where Nintendo wasn't the most popular and all the people doing the reporting and all the people doing that sort of thing grew up on Sony games. And that will be a transition that will happen at some point. So we might see a change then, but... 
I wonder if uh, some developers don't want to be 100% tied to a game it, as you know, on the public front, just in case maybe the game doesn't do as successfully as they hope. Now, obviously, if the game you know does fantastic, they want to make sure, hey, I did that. Yeah. But you know, if they were say the the artistic developer behind the Last Guardian, and the Last Guardian got so much flack, even though it was even their fault. You know, do they want to try to make themselves a celebrity out of that? Now, it's, it's kind of like a cold side case, the way I'm putting it like that, but I'm worried no, that, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, they want to be tied to their successes, but they're obviously going to be a little bit more hesitant if it's tied to something that's going to be a commercial fa failure. And it's also the case, though, with Nintendo, just to talk about that more, I think it's also the case that Nintendo tends to keep their directors around. So while other game series, a lot of Western game series, will shift directors, uh, God of War being an example. I think God of War had three or four different directors along its span. And the one we know, I think, is Corey Barlog did four and one, or maybe four and two, I want to say. But there were still three other guys in there as well. So that's one of the things, too, is there's not necessarily one name you can attribute to the whole series because they shifted around uh, developers and shifted around directors so much. Um, yeah, so I think a big part of it is at least in, in the West. Mm -hmm. um, uh, marketing overshadows, like completely just blots out like names because it's about selling and getting the units yeah. out there. Marketing and I, blots out games. <laughs> like, marketing blots out games yeah, completely. Like, it even blocks out the games. To the extent where the games that they talk about in the marketing isn't they don't even exist mm -hmm. uh, and i and from just hearing about it i want to say with nintendo particularly it could be a motivational thing right if you and it, it this is it's like a reward system in any game too you give people a goal to aspire to and you keep up morale right mm -hmm. and then when you get to that point when you know you've done something that you can be proud of and the company can be proud of maybe you will also be celebrated in that way yeah Right. I, I'd like to point out that there's also a case where it, you know, a company kind of did that, or rather the developer did, and it completely backfired on everybody. And that would be uh, Mr. Hideo Kojima and uh, Konami in this case, I believe. Okay, he yeah, but we're talking about humans, not aliens. Yeah, we're talking, say, you know, backfired on Konami, <laughs> not Kojima. <laughs> I say Kojima's yeah. doing moderately well. Fine, like, yeah. <laughs> last I checked, he had a net value of 23 million, which oh, yeah. is. As you know, a developer slash producer, that's typically unheard of. But he managed to get himself into the level of a celebrity that uh, most developers would dream of trying to get into that position. And I feel like Konami did not appreciate that. A lot of I think I think a lot of Japanese game developers as well. I know some of them treat it like a rock star position, and not like rock star the company, but being a rock star. Because if I think about Japanese series, oh, the names just come to mind. So like Resident Evil is I think Shinji Mikami. Uh, Hideki Kamiya worked on Devil May Cry and is over at Platinum right now. All the auteurs, auteurs I think they're called, that like focus on these series as a whole. Yoko Taro with Guard and Nier. Kojima Inafune. being one of them. Uh, Inafune, yep, another one. Another one being, uh, what's it called? Our friends. Oh, hold on. Oh, Name God, the game. One. Yeah, no, I, I just had it and then it escaped me. I did Taro. I did Kamiya. I did... Are you afraid you're gonna like spit on the graves or something if you don't name them? No, yeah, no, because it was it was probably one of the one of the bigger ones too. Uh, uh, how anyway, about one for Alice? It, you got me with Inafune. I was like, I was going for it, but then Inafune, Inafune is right. Yes, uh, but people like that, right? People like that where it's like, oh, oh no, I got it. Tekken Harda, he's the best example. Um, Harda over at Tekken is the best example because he walks on stage and treats it like a rock star position where he's you know wearing robes he'll show up in fighting game tournaments and fight people himself like he's just full on in it and treating it like it's a celebrity position so we know a lot of them because they do treat it like a like look at me i'm a big wig and i don't feel like we have many people in the west who do that so that that's yeah. I, I think you're right 
honestly, I feel like uh, the cultural difference between being a Japanese developer being being a Western developer uh, in terms of that kind of notoriety uh, is vastly different now that I think about it. And I now think it's that... also because there's in the, in Japan at least they didn't treat it as a as a shame to be playing video games regardless of the age you were or like it wasn't like a treated as a waste of yeah, time. Yeah. Whereas in it, you know, in, even in India, it's like, oh, you're playing video games. What are you gonna do with your life, kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, exactly. Right? So there is there there is some pride with even you know with even just video games, air quotes, quote unquote, being like a job. Mm-hmm. Right. And they took pride in what they were doing, and they were making entertainment for people. Mm-hmm. And part of it too is that in Japan, generally Japanese work culture is you you end up at a company, you stay there. If you're yeah. like if things go well, if you don't get laid off, you're staying there your whole life. And that's another part of it too, which is that you know we move around companies a lot in the West, so. Oh yeah, I mean we, maybe not. I would like to think that we are more divide are diverse in terms of how much we have to offer as different companies versus Japan. But okay, uh, so is there any uh closing thoughts we want to give about uh, S- or sorry XDS? No, I think it's uh it's needed. Um, it's a different kind of uh, convention. Um, and I would like to see, um see it evolve to like a much bigger scale just so people have some point of reference for when they're trying to decide what to do with their life you know and then they're like oh look at this i could be a video game developer but i don't actually know what kind of work is involved with becoming a video game developer or like what's my day-to-day as a video game developer or what are the different roles i could be like a production manager um i'm in term i'm in charge of graphical assets i'm in charge of it like an it guy at a video game company is not really different from an it guy at any other kind of company yeah yeah right so yeah i honestly i think you're right because if i could pick a uh, developer conference versus uh let's say an e3 or an apex uh me personally i would go for the developer conference now i know that sounds weird and uh if you told me the reasons why you should do otherwise i totally respect it however honestly if i had the pick if i could uh shake the hand of let's say the ceo of uh, microsoft or something like that or you know the head of uh, sony computer entertainment uh i'd much rather shake the hand of say jeff gersman of uh giant bomb or something like that i like the the big names that i know and when it comes to video game media media they're very important but i'm more interested in meeting the people that are behind the uh again the making of the game and the people that talk about it that try to get the information out to people so if i could you know shake a hand with the developer and try to get a better understanding behind the game versus the person that you know floating above the clouds and telling me how great this game is and how good they're doing i would say that would be a better deal for me yeah, I'm vibing with that because well, I mean, when, when I've gone to PAX and things like that, right? It's very much like I'm in a position, and you, I think a lot of us are in this position at this point. You know, when we're covering stuff like this, which is like, listen, you've already sold us on everything. You've already sold us the concept. You've already sold us the game. Uh, that's all said and done. We're in the industry. We're gonna find it even if you don't advertise it to us. So let's just skip that talk and let's get to the technical stuff. Like when I was at PAX and stuff, it was it was nice because I got to talk to a bunch of actual developers. But again, it was difficult to get them to go deeper than the kind of the surface level, what you say to fans who don't know what they're talking about type stuff. Right. It's like, I want to get that. It, you want to get the teraflops. I do. I want to get the teraflops. And sometimes it's hard to get that point when you're at the uh, the mass conventions for everybody. Because you don't know how much they're allowed to tell you first off. And then yeah, you yeah. don't know how much, well, not, yeah, how much you mean, know personally. They don't know like... Uh, once if I start speaking Greek to him almost immediately, I don't want to mess with that. But. Right, right. It's more that because like I wasn't asking questions they couldn't reveal or anything, but I'd rather be in a setting where the assumption is that we know what we're talking about. So we're talking at a more technical level. 
Okay. All right. Uh, anything else in your guys' end? Because uh, I think that was a good wrap-up for that. Yeah, I'm all set. Uh, meet and love your developers, I would like to say, also. True. And uh, I believe uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was actually a uh, Twitter movement where it was called, you know, meet your developers, where developers are like, hey, I work for this game and I do this, and I, you know, tell you about it. And I was like, holy crap, that's cool. Yep. So uh, something to look uh, into if you can find it. See, game releases this week. Uh, we got five big names on here. Uh, names are loose terms, but they're there. Uh, the first one coming out uh, this. Let's see. What is the actual date for that? I was going to say, the real important thing is that Spider-Man came out yesterday. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's the... Also, we were supposed to talk about Spider-Man, but that went out the window. I was supposed to buy it yesterday and play it. However... But destiny happened. But I, yes. I wish I was kidding Motherfucking yes. destiny happening, yes. happening. It, 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 yes. I said um, I was gonna play it, and I'm probably actually gonna do that directly after this. So. <laughs> okay, because uh, I I watched uh, some playthrough of it, like from the beginning, and whatnot, to see if I could maybe hype myself back into it. But at the same time, it's like, man, my power level could be going up right now. Yes. <laughs> it was terrible. I watched it, a 35-minute digital foundry analysis. So if you want to talk technical stuff about Spider-Man, I can do that. But. <laughs> I. If you don't mind, I'm going to hold it off until next week yeah, just because good. of uh, time frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, game releases this week, uh, NBA 2K19, coming out on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and S- Switch. <laughs> don't get it for Switch, please. Coming out September 11th, which is actually for the audio listeners tomorrow, September 11th. Never forget. Uh, coming out on the 13th, two games. Got Bastion and Wasteland 2 director's cut both coming out from the nintendo switch okay. so i was gonna say that's a port of bastion for sure yes absolutely yeah. i hope it's supportive i mean <laughs> if it's a different you know form of bastion then, you know that'd be cool i'm okay with that uh this one which is actually a sleeping giant on my end because i love these games but it's kind of went quiet in the front like in the the shadow of spider-man and uh forsaken shadow of the tomb raiders coming out on the 14th aka friday next friday ps4 xbox one and pc which is interesting because last I checked, uh, I know for the the last deal, they uh, Microsoft had paid off Square Enix to yep. get it exclusively yep. for Xbox One and PC. It looks like it didn't quite came, come around this time around, so it's going to be coming out with everybody else for the PS4. So you know what that means, actually. Not even I feel like at this point, considering what we saw Microsoft do in terms of buying all the studios, they're not invested. I think they're not interested. Like I don't think it was on the end of Tomb Raider didn't want to be an exclusive for a while. I think that Microsoft wasn't interested. And, and also, I think specifically it was a world exclusive premiere mm, on yes. like, during their uh, conference, not yes. uh, not an exclusive title. Of course, world exclusive premiere. Oh boy, that fun word! I thought that oh, was gonna man. stay in the grave. Um, but Laura but, Croft will finally, finally become the Tomb Raider. I, I, I'm gonna have to agree with uh, Tyler here. Uh, putting aside like the issues with that, I have enjoyed the the, the Tomb Raider reboots. Um, so I'm excited for this whenever I get it. I mean, it, it gives you the same vibe, and I know you probably haven't played any Uncharted games, but. It, it gives you that same imaginings and joy that I get from being able to traverse, you know, wild situations and gunning down people, stealthing them up, uh, occasionally shooting a bear so you can turn its skin into a, a I don't know, a, a musket ball bag or something like that. And uh, I mean, they, they kind of left you on a cliffhanger that you already knew, like based off of any Tomb Raider lore that you could retain. Like, oh no, there's somebody out there that's watching Lara. What could possibly happen? It's like, oh, really? You're going to make a third game, huh? Thank you for the uh, the little trail of crumbs that are like stale <laughs> for about five years. But sure, I'll take it. 
So, and so just want to quickly say like the last two Tomb Raider games are the only games that I've ever actively tried to 100% because I just love exploring and solving puzzles and the tombs that you find are fantastic. Oh, there are yeah. a couple of easy ones and some like really challenging ones and I've always enjoyed that. Combat is whatever, it's nothing like spectacular but it's not boring. But uh, yeah, for me it's just platforming. I like the yeah, as you said the exploration, finding these cool like uh like oh man, I could have totally never gone in here, but it's going to 100% reward me with this amazing unique experience in here about history. History I probably wouldn't have heard otherwise if I didn't, you know, take the initiative. So uh, yes, that is coming out on the 14th, which is going to be Friday. Uh, finally, and lastly, is going to be Light Fingers out from the Nintendo Switch on the same day. I have not heard of this game. Okay, it, uh, Light Fingers is in the dark for us, so uh, something to look forward to, maybe. I can tell you it's a game by Numismatic. I see. Numismatic, yeah. Numez, isn't Numez a shoe company, or is that Zumez? Zoomies. Oh, Zoomies. Okay. Clothing store. All right. All right. In the U.S. and Canada. Okay. So, and <laughs> well, you're talking about shoe companies. I start sweating heavily. I'm like, oh, let's keep going. To wrap up plugs and housekeeping, you can email us at casualmasterquest at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at masterquestpod. All the uh, the podcasts and gaming can be found on our YouTube channel, which we'll link on our Twitter. Uh, mostly uh, my exports from my streaming. I did try to guilt trip Nick into doing it, but he hasn't learned how to export from Twitch just yet. Don't worry, I'll get you soon enough, my pretty. You can find me on Twitter at Two Times Tyler, or you can check me out. I stream on uh, Twitch uh, Tuesdays and Fridays now, six o'clock to nine o'clock. Uh, most specifically Zelda games. However, if I ever get intoxicated, I'll probably play a horror game or something else for that matter. Because you know Zelda games are great and all. Zelda is not for. Do you really want him to play at 30 frames a second, though? Can he handle From that? PS4 stream? I don't think you do. I'm going to say, I, I mean, I won't use the actual PS4 stream. I'd probably use my Elgato, but yeah. still. Like, even if I turn off the, uh, I forgot what it's called, the protocol where it jumbles the encoding for the HDMI. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or something like that. Uh, HDCP or something like that. I feel like it would uh, try to screw me over in terms of uh, recording that, and I don't think I would want to do that. I'd much rather watch you, Nick, because I know you like to stream Destiny 2. Uh, by the way, twitch.tv slash two times Tyler. Nick, where can we find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at LRWarrior11 and Twitch. Uh, I stream whenever I can. Twitch.tv forward slash LRWarrior11. Um, I should have a schedule up actually really soon because because uh, the first week of classes have come and gone and my schedule has uh, finalized. And so I should be able to do like Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, Sunday, actually. Ooh. Yeah. Competing. Okay. <laughs> says Tyler. <laughs> it says me. Okay, fine, whatever. I, it was between like if I had my way, I would be doing Tuesdays and Saturdays. But I have a certain uh, thing I have like a commitment I've given to on uh, Saturday afternoons. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know either. So Cam, where can we find you and your work? Because you got an <laughs> awesome podcast that talks about video game news. I've heard. Isn't that crazy? It's wild. So you can find me. That's not just video game news, though. Let, let me let me uh, do it up a little bit. Mm. Go ahead. Glorify so first off, you can find me on Twitter at Cam Collects is my preferred social media. Check me out there. I stream on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash Cam Collects. I mainly do Pokemon stuff. And you can find me Monday nights at 6 p.m. EST. Monday, sorry, Monday at 7 p.m. EST. Friday at 6 p.m. EST. And uh, those are my two streams. And I'm an affiliate now, so that's fun. And if you want to check out my other podcast, you can find that at Into the Video Game. Game.com. Okay. 
never mind dot com that was a total vocal flub on my end Wait, into the video game what did i just miss something what happened yeah, i said into the video game dot com oh well we're after the hour so so cam's lesser known uh cam girl site, <laughs> yeah, my cam girl site. <laughs> it's me so into the video game.com and primarily what we talk about is it's it's news but i think when you say video game news i agree with I agree that it, video game news is a weak topic, so that's not what we do. We do industry analysis. We don't report on the news. We analyze the news and the industry and the trends and where we're going in the future. So, Okay. That's I'm sorry. Point. I think I had a, oh. what, what you could understand as a Yukiko moment. Where oh, okay. I, like, it went over my head, but when I finally, like, it clicked, I started, like, I, I, I could stop. Yeah, I was like, is Tyler drunk again? Uh <laughs> No, he's not. probably he's getting close. He's getting close off of that hey, red hot. I'm gonna say, oh yeah, I'm drunk off of red hot. Yeah, podcast yeah. title right there. Uh, anyways, I think that's gonna be it for us guys. Uh, that was episode 18. Let's wrap it up here, right there. I think it was a good episode. We did pretty good. But let's talk uh, more about hopefully you know maybe a little mention of Spider Man next week. But of course you know our Destiny 2 and all that stuff. Maybe. Anyways, maybe that was Cam. That was Nick. I'm Tyler, and that was Casual Master Quest. And don't forget to never stop the grind. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I love you. Love you. Find more of our work by searching for Casual Master Quest on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast players. Check out what we'll be doing next week on Twitter at MasterQuestPod.